And we are on air for Fan for Racing Radio's NASCAR Weekend Preview and Hot Topic Sound Off. Tonight we're previewing the races at Dover Motor Speedway. Uh, and uh, we'll start off with some short track racing news. And then we'll get into the Arca Menard Series East at Dover, the preview and a few updates from the West, as well as the Arca Menard Series. Nine o'clock, we have our guest, uh, Nick Sanchez is coming on board from Rev Racing and the Drive for Diversity program. He won last weekend at Dallas Super Speedway, so we are looking forward to talking to him about that. He also drives for BJ and Cloud Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. Then at 9.15, we'll get into a few updates from the Truck Series. They are not racing this weekend, but we'll let you know when they will be racing next. Uh, at 9.30, we'll start with our Xfinity Series at Dover Preview and then move on to the Cup Series at Dover Preview. 10 o'clock, of course, is NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our fan for racing crew. And uh, I'm hoping uh, that it's more than me and Jay, but it might be just me and Jay here tonight. So with that, let me welcome our co-host for tonight, Jay Huglin. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, I know uh, t- looking forward to seeing if Tommy gets to join us. I know Andy said he was working late again, and Mike's on the, I'd say on the road, I guess in the air, <laughs> more appropriately. Right. Yes. Uh, so uh, hopefully they'll be able to come back uh, at some point next week and we'll have them back on board here. Uh, and I'm hoping Tommy is available uh, for our hot topic. Hopefully, we'll hear from him before the 10 o'clock hour. Okay, let's go ahead and get started with some short track news. Um, There's quite a lot that's been happening, uh, and there's some really great articles that both uh, Racing America as well as Flow Sport Racing. Uh, But to look at the upcoming schedule, there are so many races uh, taking place, uh, and is probably at a track somewhere near you. Uh, so if you can get out to the racetrack, that would be awesome. Modified the Mayhem will be a five-flight speedway this weekend, Friday, April 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Then there's the Carolina Sprint Tour at Carolina Speedway, 6.15 Eastern on Friday. Uh, so that's a couple of uh, big races on Friday night. And then a whole slew of races on Saturday, uh, these are all at Racing America, the Golf Classic Series at Mobile, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Ohio 300 at Shady Bowl, 5 p.m. Eastern, and uh, the Tri-Track, I saw that real fast, at Monadnock, uh Saturday at, I can't quite see, uh, it's at 6.45 p.m. Eastern. The Spring Fling. 100 at Mount Cumbry at 7 p.m. Eastern. There's a whole slew of them here. Okay, one more. Carolina Prolate Models at Carolina at Goodyear. That's at 5 p.m. Eastern. So uh, quite a lot of racing there between Friday and Saturday. There, There is, and this is where you can see some of these future NASCAR stars. Uh, look at uh, the, uh, one of the articles I was reading on um, Racing America, Caleb Johnson, as he's getting experience in the Carolina Pro Late Model Series. 
take a look at that. Um, we see this as some of these drivers, Josh Berry, uh, one that most prevalently comes to mind. This is where they get their start. This is where they get noticed. So, again, you can get access to them a lot easier at the, at the smaller tracks or uh, local tracks like that. Uh, great fan experience when you go to these places. Yeah, Josh Souter is uh, looking for his uh, second pro late model uh, win of the season. He's right now the points leader as well. So there's a nice article about him over there. Capello strikes again in the Spears Pro Late Models at Kern County Raceway. Uh, another big win for him uh, in that series. Uh, so just so many good things happening in racing. I know my, my dad will tell you this, the, the modifieds, especially the NASCAR what used to be the wheel and modifieds, the fastest cars in NASCAR under the NASCAR banner. If you get a chance anywhere to go watch these modifieds, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yes, indeed. I know, didn't, uh, I think uh, Andy was saying he went to the uh, modified race out at Stafford uh, last weekend instead of going to Talladega. Yeah, he was up there. Uh, Ryan Priest making a, one of his starts. I know he still runs the modified. Uh, we think about it as somebody at high level in NASCAR. T- oh, he did. Oh, wow. Uh, I know I, there's a related article, and I don't remember where I saw it, um, that Ryan Priest really anticipate or is expected to probably take over the number ten at Stuart Haas, and, and that shows why. I mean, he just he races everything mm-hmm. he's in. He's performing at a high level, given the right opportunity and. Car. Uh, yes, indeed. If we move over to flow racing, uh, Jay, uh, there's the uh, uh, the diversity, uh is taking place uh, over this weekend, starting tonight. Uh, then there's the 2022 Arkham and Art Series East at Dover Motor Speedway. You'll be able to watch that on uh, Saturday, April. Friday, April the 29th at 4.30 p.m., uh, then at 5 p.m. Uh, from the 29th to the 30th, there's the 2022 Funny Car Chaos at Kind Valley Raceway, and there's the 2022 USAC Sprints at Bloomington Speedway at 5.45. You've got the 2022 Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions at Lernerville Speedway. These are on Saturday, 545 on Saturday, 2022, honoring Alex. He's an opener at Utica Rome Speedway. 6 p.m. is the 2022 Billy Wynn Classic at Bedford Speedway. Uh, 655, the weekly racing at Marshalltown Speedway. 7 p.m., Sprint Car Weekend at South Boston Speedway. 745, you get the Brunel Hirsuth. Classic at Silver Dollar Speedway, 2022. Free racing at Ocean Speedway at 8.05 p.m. There's just so much racing this weekend uh, via Flow Racing or um, Arca Racing America.com. So if you're not a subscriber yet, I highly recommend it. I was going to say, and I know we've promoted it and talked about it, if you can't get to watch on uh, Flow Racing, uh, I'd have to apologize on behalf of my dad. I think he uh, uses up that bandwidth because uh, every night I talk to him, that's what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, he can't get out and especially not uh, coming out of Minnesota to, to some of these tracks, but getting to watch it. Yeah. He, he wears flow racing out. <laughs> Good. That's why, that's why they're there. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, and I, obviously he enjoys it. Yeah, he's a, he does a lot of the dirt watching, but again, that's the opportunity you have there this year. Uh, over the past two years, they put this deal together. Uh, you know, maybe he'll get more interested in, say, the Arkham and RG series you, sh- you mentioned got coming up. And some of these late model races, again, that's where some of the dirt track drivers, it's evolution or uh, what do you call it, um, moving up. We see him start on dirt. You know, Austin Dillon, the Dillon boys, Ricky Stenhouse, move into asphalt and on up. So, I mean, again, getting to know, the, I, I like the fact of when these drivers get to, that say, the Xfinity or Trucks or Cup, you know who they are and possibly have the chance to have met them and know them. Exactly right. Uh, uh, going back to Racing America, they have a couple of really great articles. Deconstructing the Cup Series finish at Talladega, and then Trackhouse Racing is a vision come to life early in 2022. Uh, another great article to read about uh, Justin Marks, uh, one of the owners at Trackhouse Racing, uh, there's one up at ARCA Racing as well, uh, going back to his racing roots. And uh, now he's a team owner at NASCAR's top level of racing. Uh, and uh, it's really great to see. You know, if they don't make – a lot of drivers make it as a, a race car driver, but some drivers move on to become crew chiefs. Some of those drivers move on to become team owners. So it's, racing is not the only option that a lot of these grassroots racing drivers have as they uh, look to the future and how they might evolve with their careers. Well, and we talk about it, it goes both ways. Um, talking about going out to the track or, or watching it on there. I know Dad said uh, William Byron as well as Chase Briscoe were running some dirt races. We've seen Byron do some asphalt races. There again, you never know who you might get to see at some of these tracks. And the learning that takes place for other drivers that get to race with them, the experience, the connections, the friendships that are built, uh, that's undeniable. It really is. It really is. That's why grassroots racing is such a big part of what happens at NASCAR because this is the proving ground for a lot of these drivers. And a lot of the cup drivers are going back to those racing routes and racing at these tracks, and it makes them better cup series drivers. So uh, and and it really elevates the uh, racing for those drivers racing at those uh, short tracks as well. You know, you bring up a good point there. We've seen that uh, with the talent that someone like Kyle Larson, we've seen uh, Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe bring. Some of these guys, like you said, are going back and picking up more races like that um, to help improve that. They've seen that. you know. And Kyle Busch has always been a component of that, that he wants to be racing. And I know the cup level, they want to try and protect it for their sponsor in the, the cup series. But that just makes them that much better of a driver. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough boat to be in. I, I understand it's a risk versus reward, but there is definitely some mm-hmm. reward there. Yeah, look at William Byron is the best example of that. He was struggling. And when Hendrick Motorsports opened the door 
and they were encouraged to go back out to the short tracks and back out to uh, do some short track racing. Uh, he's done much better this season, and it's been really good to see. I think he was the first driver to get two wins this year in the Cup Series. Right. Yeah, he was, um, and we've seen that. We know he was he was doing in line to have that breakout year, just like we we, we waited and saw in Chase Elliott. Um, but I think you're right. I think that little bit, just that extra experience, pick up a victory, even if it, with it being in a pro late model, the confidence. Um, I mean, so many things to build upon that then transfers over as a driver, as a person, um, as well as maybe even accepting defeat. You know, being humble and understanding. So. Again, so many benefits to it. There definitely is. Okay, uh, Jay, I know we're a little bit early, but I'm going to go ahead and move on to the ARCA Racing Series. Uh, The race that's coming up this weekend is at Dover, uh, Dover Motor Speedway, and uh, the ARCA Menard Series East is going to be racing that General Tire 125 on Saturday, April the 29th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, it will be available as for live streaming at Flow Racing, and fans will definitely want to choose in for this race because it's going to be a good one. Um, Sal and I were talking last uh, Monday about how tight some of this racing is uh, for, a lot of, uh, for a lot of these teams. Uh, there's a lot of... Um, information here, but I'm going to go to my, I got an email today uh, about the Arkham Menard Series. There's so many things that are going on. There's a pre-race notebook here with, with some stats. Uh, the defending series champion, Sammy Smith, enters the general title 125 looking for his third consecutive series victory. He won the opener, um, the first two races of the season. Uh, at New Smyrna Speedway and Five Flags Speedway, and he has a commanding 12-point lead in the series standings over current runner-up, Ray. So we might see that tighten up a little bit. Oh, he's not available. Tommy's not available tonight. Okay. Uh, we might see that tighten up a little bit after this race at Dover. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, Sammy Smith, so dominant, coming off the championship win. We've seen this in the past, sometimes what they call the sophomore slump or a championship lull uh, when you come off winning a championship. That has not been the case with Sammy Smith. I mean, he just came out full force on fire. He did. The last driver to win three consecutive races in the East Series uh, did it in 2021, and that was Ty Gibbs. He had wins at Iowa Speedway, the Milwaukee Mile, and Bristol Motor Speedway. And those races were combination races with the Arkham Menard Series. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, the General Tire 125 will feature two breaks at or near laps 40 and laps 80. Teams will only be allowed to change tires during those two breaks. Any other tire changes will need to be approved by ARCA officials. So something to keep in mind when you're watching. Uh, The starting lineup will be set at a combined practice qualifying session starting at 1.15 on Friday, and the driver with the fastest lap will earn the general pole award. The track record at Dover is 22.909 seconds, or 157 
0.143 miles per hour set by Harrison Burton in 2018. So a couple of track records there to keep an eye on as well. Well, and it's really interesting here for Dover uh, International Speedway. Um, that's a track that they run on the cup level. So all the way up through the cup level. So these drivers that are getting experience here in the East Series, uh, as they move up, you know, if they get, say, select Xfinity Series starts or truck series starts, they're going to pick tracks like this that they they are used to. Or actually, not all of them, but um, maybe we can ask Nick Sanchez about that. But ones they're familiar with. So getting this opportunity to run on Dover, uh, a huge thing for the ARCA East. Absolutely. And by the way, Jay, it is now called, I looked it up this morning because I wanted to make sure, it's called Dover Motor Speedway now. Uh, they posted I, you know, 31 I, I, Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, you know, when I said that, I was like, I don't think that sounds right. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wanted to make sure, too, because I, I have a tendency to want to say international as well. Uh, Dover's hosted 31 uh, Arkham and Knight Series races dating back to the series' inaugural season in 1987. The first 10 races were held in combination with what is now the Xfinity Series and were won by drivers registered in that series. Jimmy Spencer won the first standalone East race at Dover in 1998. Other East winners at Dover include uh, Dale Shaw, Matt Kobielak, Dale Quarterly, Andy Santeri, uh, Tim Andrews, Sean Casey, Eric Almarola, Brett Moffat, Daryl Wallace Jr., Corey LaJoy, Austin Hill, Chase Cabre, uh, Kyle Benjamin, Harrison Burton, Ruben Garcia Jr., Sam Mayer, and Ty Gibbs. Only Moffat Hill and Mayer have multiple victories, each having won twice. So Tim Andrews, Eric Almarola, Austin Hill, Chase Cabre all scored their first series victory at Dover, so that's kind of cool. Taylor Gray will become the first driver to race in Ford Mustang within the Arkham Bernard Series platform. The body style has been approved for competition before the 2022 season and will make its platform debut at Dover, so there's another thing uh, to look for there. Leland Honeyman yeah, will a- make his... Go ahead, Jay. I was just say that's an exciting thing, and you got another one coming there. Go ahead with uh, with Leland. Yeah. Oh, do you have this day? I wasn't sure if you had it. No, I don't have that. Okay, Leland Huntingman is making his third career East start with his first at Dover on Friday. Huntingman won the General Tire Pole Award at the last East race at Five Flags Speedway and finished a career best second. So we'll see what he can do at Dover. Roger Carruth, the current championship points leader in the Menard Series, is entered to make his first East appearance of the season. Carruth finished third in the East standings in 2021. Then there's Venturini Motorsports. Their team will fail fourth uh, this weekend with defending Arkham Menard Series West champion Jesse Long, Connor Jones, Jake Finch, and Jonathan Schaefer at the wheel. I think there's uh, an article about Jonathan over at Arca Racing as well. Uh, team owner Bruce Cook enters the Dover race with some momentum at his back. He's coming off a West Series win last Saturday night with uh, the rookie Landon Lewis at the wheel. 
Christian Rose, who is seventh in the East standings, is driving the number 42 Chevrolet at Dover. So uh, that's good news for Christian. I hope he has a good run there. Smith has been at the point for 274 laps so far uh, this season, nearly three times as many laps in the lead as Taylor Gray in second with just 99. Leyland Honeyman is third with 24 laps led. Now, the general title 125 will be streamed live, as we said earlier, on Flow Racing, starting at 5.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday, April the 29th. Any other thoughts there, Jay, as I go through the news and notes there? No, one big thing I look at there, 17 drivers uh, entered, if I counted right, on the full entry list. Um, you That's mentioned true. some of the ones that, that are making some starts. Um, that can really mix up when we talk about the point standings. If Raja Karuth were to have kind of a rough, or I'm sorry, Sammy Smith here in the East Series, have a rough night, um, can really affect the point standings. And not that I see that from him. We haven't seen any chink in his armor yet so far this year, though. Okay. Uh, keep in mind, uh, Jonathan Schaefer that I mentioned earlier is a dirt racer, but he's looking for a really strong finish at Dover. He's an accomplished dirt raker, a racer, and there is an article about him over at ArcaRacing.com, so uh, something to check out there prior to the race is over. Uh, let's look at the entry list real quick and catch those people that we haven't already mentioned uh, that are going to be racing this weekend. Do you want to go from the bottom up, Jay? All right. We, we talked about Leland Honeymoon. Uh, in the 0-2, driving for Tyler Young with uh, Andrew Abbott as the crew chief. Then you got Stephanie Moyer uh, in a Hillenburg Toyota, Pennsylvania, in the 0-1. Okay, and in the number 60 is Daniel Escado uh, from Leon, Mexico. Uh, he's driving for Josh Williams with John Holmes on the pit box. Uh, and then in that number 55 for Venturini Motorsports is Jennifer Jonathan Schaefer from Ashburn, Ohio, he'll be driving that 55 Toyota with Dave Liner on the pit box. And as always, we've got Brad Smith and his cell phone team in the number 48 coming out of Shelby, Michigan, with Leo Krieger as his crew chief. And then the pairing mentioned of Bruce Cook and Sean Samuels. Samuels, the crew chief, Cook, the owner, with Christian Rose in that number 42, West Virginia Tourism. Uh, machine Toyota machine driving the number 30 is Max Gutierrez from Mexico City Mexico uh, he's uh, driving for team owner uh, Mark Rett uh, and will be driving that tough belt Ford with Mark Rett on top of the pit box uh, in the number 25 is Jake Finch from Lynn Haven Florida driving the Phoenix construction Toyota uh, Kathy Venturini is the team owner, but Kevin Reed Jr. will be on top of his pit box. Another regular, Eric Caudell machine, the number 22 coming out of Piedmont, Oklahoma. Jeremy Petty uh, calling the shots for that Chevrolet. And then we mentioned here the other one of the Venturinis, uh, Jesse Lovell being the number 20 Toyota for them, with Shannon Rush in his ear. Driving that number 18 for Kyle Bush uh, is Sammy Smith from Johnston, Iowa. He'll have Mark McFarland on top of the pit box. And Chad Johnston is on top of the David Gilliland 
Racing Ford number 17 with Taylor Gray from Mooresville, North Carolina, behind the wheel. One of the other Venturinis here, the Connor Jones number 15 Toyota, Kevin Reed, Kevin Reed will be calling the shots there. And then Tommy V. Jr. Uh, in a Hillenburg Chevrolet, the number 12, Trey Galgan, the crew chief. Okay, and driving the number 11 is Ed Pompa from Boston Spa, New York. He'll be driving the Andy Hillenburg Ford with Dick Johanny on top of the box. And Tim Monroe uh, will be crew chiefing his own car, uh, the Andy Hillenburg Toyota number 10. Uh, Tim Monroe is from Elmwood, Illinois. the final entry we got mentioned getting an E-Series start here, Rajah Karuth in the Max Siegel-owned number six Chevrolet, Brad Parrott. There's a name you know uh, as the crew chief. Yeah, he's a good one. Okay, we, there are a lot of good crew chiefs in the Arca Menard Series. Uh, before we run out of time, I want to make sure that I let you know when the next scheduled races are. Um, we, we talked about the Arkham and Art Series East Racing this weekend. The Dutch Boy 150 uh, in the Arkham and Art Series will be on May 14th, 1 p.m. Central. That's 2 p.m. Eastern at Kansas Speedway. Now, that race will be televised on Fox Sports 1, so that's pretty cool. In, in the West, it's the Portland 100, June 4th at 4.30 p.m. Pacific at 7.30 p.m. Eastern at Portland International Raceway. Uh, that race will be streamed on Flow Racing. And we've been mentioning this for a while now. The Calypso Lemonade 150 is the second race of the Sioux Chief Showdown on June the 11th, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern at Iowa Speedway. And that will be televised on TV. Uh, Jay, do you, uh, we mentioned the standings there for the Arkham and Art Series East. I think Raja, well, he's leading the Arkham and Art Series standings. Uh, do you want to go over the Arca East standings? All right. We got Sammy Smith mentioned two wins uh, already on the year, leading by 12 points over Taylor Gray, Leland Honeymoon, Willie Mullins, and Donald Seedig, a Canadian driver. Uh, those are your top five. Other than the 12-point gap there from first to second, it's minus 12, minus 13. Then you got minus 22, minus 23 uh, through the top five. Six on back, Stephanie Moyer, Christian Rose, Steve Austin, Brad Smith all have two starts. Um, so they sit seventh through ninth right now, ranging from 30 points back to 56 points back. And then we see several others, though, 10th on back. Uh, Max Gutierrez already has a top five, getting another start. Daniel Escado, Mason Diaz, Brandon Varney, Le- uh, Logan Mascara, and Ashton Higgins. Now, 16th is Jake Finch. We know he's in this weekend, Ed Pompa. So we'll see a little bit of a shuffling. And I just want to see, it's great to see we got two Mexican drivers in the race this weekend, along with the Canadian. Yes, indeed. I love the international flavor of the uh, Arkham and Art series. Uh, it's really it speaks to how much people value uh, these this series. 
uh, not just the Arkham and Art Series, but the East and the West as well. Uh, so uh, I'm glad to see that as well, Jay. Now, coming up here at 8 o'clock, I'm uh, sorry, 9 o'clock, is our guest for tonight. In fact, he's here already, uh, is Nick Sanchez. I'm so excited to have him back on the show. We had him on a, a week or so ago, and uh, he won at Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, so, first of all, Nick, I want to say congratulations to you, but then I also want to get your thoughts uh, about. You know, with about 11 laps to go, you got shuffled back. What was your thoughts when that happened? And then how did you get your focus to get right in the right spot at the right time to take that victory? Yeah, first of all, uh, thank you for having me, and I really appreciate all the congratulations. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy because um, I know that I think I, the race ended with nine laps to go, so like 11 to go is pretty much two to go in essence. So, uh, yeah, we got the lead, and, um, you know, I had the 20 pushing me, and I, obviously I knew um, <laughs> I knew his game plan was first and foremost to stay with one of his teammates. Um, so uh, I, I believe one of his teammates lined up in fourth on that restart. So uh, obviously he left me. Um, he kind of hung me out on the back straightaway, and I, I think I fell all the way back to 10th. Yeah. So yeah, at that point I kind of thought my race was over. <laughs> um, my chances of winning were were over and done with, but uh, apparently they weren't. <laughs> no, they weren't. You were able to uh, keep your focus and be there, uh, going three wide at the finish. And I believe the other two drivers uh, kind of took each other out, which opened the door for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was definitely some shuffling going on there. And, you know, luckily I had the momentum going into turn one, and obviously I think that's what carried me um, to the lead. Exactly right. Uh, and, and talk about your emotions after winning. This was your second victory. You won at Can- was it Kansas or Toledo last year? Uh, the last race? It was Kansas. It was Kansas. Kansas. You won at Kansas the last race of the year, and then you came back and – Early this season, you've got a, a second win already. Uh, yeah, definitely great to get one early on. And, you know, definitely a weird way to win one um, under caution. You know, the race being decided decided by camera at least. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, it's still the same feeling. You know, winning um, never gets old. Best feeling on earth. And, you know, race three, um, obviously last year, uh, that's kind of what got me rolling last year. And, you know, to get a win on race three versus race 20 last year is, is huge. And, you know, we have a, we have a lot of good tracks coming up for, for uh, me and the team and, you know, try to keep it rolling. Yeah. Let's talk about that. You do have a lot of good tracks. Kansas, uh, the track where you won at before uh, is coming up after, or it's coming up next. Uh, what are your thoughts going into Kansas Speedway? Um, yeah, just kind of clean up on my mistakes last year and, uh, you know, capitalize on games of the car. Um, so, obviously, we we want to go outright win it. And, you know, I, I don't think we've won a race on sheer speed before. Um, and, you know, I'd love to do that. Uh, I'd love to lead every lap, win, pull, everything. Um, so, that's that's kind of what I have going, going into Kansas, you know, to be on offense, not defense, and uh, go attack and win. What's different this year? Uh, Nick, uh, from from last year, in in at Rub Racing and the Arkham and Art Series. 
Um, yeah, at least from my end, I feel like I've put the same effort in, you know, obviously every race that goes by, I feel like I, I get better as a driver, more mature, more patient. Um, but, but as far as rev, you know, this year we just have a notebook, you know, I have a notebook. Um, I know, I think what I want in the car is a little bit more. We we're starting to get more and more Chevrolet support, um, which is something we did not have last year. So all of those things, uh, you know, culminate together, to, you know, success. And uh, obviously, uh, I think everyone saw that in Talladega. You know, even even though we won, um, kind of, I don't want to say by luck, but you know, it was definitely interesting. You know, we were up front all day, and uh, you know, just learning how to you know run up front regularly. And you know, that's what me and my team were learning last year. And you know, this year when we're running second, we're disappointed. Um, we want to win. So uh, last year when we were running second, we were happy. So uh, just things like that. You know, getting used to it. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of, a lot of changes for the better. Okay, absolutely. And by the way, I don't think it was luck that got that win for you at Talladega. Uh, I think you were in the right place at the right time, and uh, you you had a situation, and the door was open. You took it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think I think uh, you took advantage of the opportunity, and. Uh, uh, you did a great job. So we have Jake uh, Huseman here. He's our co-host for tonight, and I know he has some questions for you. So, Jake? All right. Thank you, Sharon. Again, congratulations, Nick, on the victory. Um, you and Sharon kind of talking about it leads into my first question. If we go back a few weeks, uh, Kyle Busch made the comments about backing into a win. Now, I know you said you want to win a race on sheer speed, and I understand that. But how often, when you think about it, does the fastest car win? Uh, you know, there's always circumstances that create it. So t- talk to the fans about that, that you probably you lose more than you do win by um, some unfortunate circumstances or different circumstances. Yeah, you know, obviously super speedway racing, you know, if there's a track, if there's two tracks on a schedule that nothing's given no matter how much speed you think your car has, it's Daytona and Talladega. You know, we've actually, the past two races, we've had the fastest lap there, you know, take it for what it is. But, you know, we bring really fast cars, and, you know, um, it's like a game of chess, you know. And you don't, you know, last year I thought I did everything right, um, leading coming off the final corner, and I finished third. And, you know, this year it's not necessarily that me or my team did anything wrong. We just got unlucky there and lost the lead. Um, but obviously, like like I said, you know, it <laughs> – as a weird way of working out and, you know, just when you think you've lost it, you know, you're sitting in victory lane. Um, but, you know, as far as Kansas last year, you know, we, we, we had a second place car. I think we were, we would have finished second. Um, you know, as far as speed goes, we weren't going to beat the eight teams. So uh, we just capitalized on a restart. Um, but, you know, this year looking into it, you know, I want to be an offense. I want to be the 18 car in the race. And, you know, um, obviously I've learned to win them at the end, I guess you could say, but I, you know, I want to, I want to, for the first time, start off, you know, up up front leading the race and kind of control it. And uh, I think we're probably in better position than ever to do that. Well, I certainly, I certainly think you are. And with that, you kind of talked about that. The opportunity that Rev Racing gives and the step, we talk about it from the Xfinity to the Cup. How about from the Arkham Menards East to the main Arkham Menards series? Talk about that, the step up uh, as far as that goes, getting to run tracks like Talladega now. Um, yeah, obviously the, those tracks are the biggest things. And, you know, those are the most important tracks on the ARCA schedule. Cause you know, that's, 
as long as you're in this sport, um, from truck to cup, um, you're going to run there. So uh, those are the ones that I've circled to, uh, you know, me and my team have circled to put our best foot forward um, if we could choose. Because uh, obviously it's the next level, you know, Xfinity, it's kind of what I'm looking at. And, you know, that's all the schedule consists of, those big tracks. So, uh, you know, being able to run and win there, um, tracks like that, like Kansas, Talladega, and, you know, many other mile and a half, you know, that's, that's big. And, you know, uh, I feel like a lot of people – might have a little more eyes on that than, you know, let's say a Toledo or a Berlin. All right. The, la- the last question I got is with that, you've been with Rev Racing, and I know they've given you a great opportunity. When it comes to taking that next step or going to another team, um, talk about the opportunity. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's not always the best opportunity, but you got to move up. And other times you kind of pass on certain deals waiting for the right opportunity to really hit with the team. Um, and just off the top of my head, I want to say, look at Trackhouse Racing. I mean, they put together a great opportunity. Ross Trastain capitalized on it. But he's also taken some other rides that maybe weren't the best opportunity. So how do you balance that when you're making decisions on your career and how, when and how to advance? Um, Yeah, you know, luckily I've had a, a great group of guys and girls around me um, to guide me through my career. Um, You know, one of them being Jefferson Hodges from the beginning. And, you know, every opportunity that comes available to me, we always look at it, you know, um, not in the moment, but in the future. You know, what what is it going to do for me in the future? You know, it, is it something that's going to hurt me or help me? And, you know, we definitely think with a future in mind and, uh, yeah, um, kind of <laughs> kind of take it as it comes. But uh, hopefully hopefully this past weekend and many others will open, open the opportunities for me and, you know, the, the better ones will come available and, you know, um, really right now I'm thinking long-term. Uh, so, uh, I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> All right. Well, that's some great insight. Uh, again, congratulations on your win. Hope you carry that momentum uh, forward. I know you got to get to battle now with your uh, teammate there, Raja Karuth, um, for the points battle. Uh, good luck with that. And I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon here. Okay, I was trying to run down the Xfinity Series list. I didn't see your name on the uh, entry list for the Xfinity Series this week. Uh, when is your next race in Xfinity? But, yeah, my, my next race will actually be Charlotte on May 28th. So uh, re- really looking forward to that with uh, Beach and McLeod Motorsports. Okay, and uh, that's a part-time opportunity uh, that you have there with BJ McLeod Motorsports. Uh, and, and I think we talked about this before. There's not a lot of difference, you said, uh, between the, the Arkham Menard Series car that you're racing and the Xfinity Series car that you're racing. Uh, but talk about the competition uh, level. What do you notice about the competition level? Is it about the same, or, or do you notice any differences there? No, I mean, you know, at the front of ARCA, um, I would say it gets quite competitive. But, you know, as you as you get out of the top ten, you definitely start to lose some competitive cars. And, you know, the Xfinity Series, you could get to 25th or 30th, and you're still at that same level you are in the front of ARCA, maybe the top three or so. Um, you know, the depth of the series is obviously very competitive. And, you know, I think this year more than ever, it's one of the strongest um, – might be the strongest series in NASCAR right now. Um, so – Obviously, I learned that the hard way at Phoenix, finishing 26th and, you know, driving my tail off. But, um, you, you know, it, it helps me as a driver. You know, I don't want anything given to me on the track. You know, I don't, I don't care to be handed a top 10 or a win. You know, I want to go. 
I want to go earn it, and I feel like the Xfinity Series offers that um, to me at least. Yeah, I think they do too. Uh, and I think it's great experience uh, for you as you're you're pursuing your career uh, and and working through uh, the NASCAR ladder, if you will. Um, and uh, Nick, uh, Rev Racing, I'm assuming that they're going to be doing a combine this year. Um, I, I'm not totally sure yet. They haven't really announced his plans to me, or really ever anyone I believe. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully we'll learn more about that in the future. Okay, and and you've you've been through a few combines, <laughs> and uh, uh, are you going to be involved with the one this year? Um, yeah, you know, maybe as a mentor. No matter, yeah, no matter how far I get uh, in my career, you know, I'll always be a part of the Rev Racing family. And, you know, I'll always uh, help help them any way I can. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, obviously in the future, I'll I'll definitely be involved and be a part of it. Okay. Well, uh, Nick, I'm so happy uh, for your victory at Talladega Super Speedway. I'm really looking forward to uh, the race that's coming up at uh, Talladega. Do you have any other races uh, between, uh, I mean, at uh, at Talladega, at Kansas? Uh, Do you have any other races coming up in between? Are you racing in the east or the west? Uh, Nope. Nope. Just uh, really just the main Arca Series and Xfinity. I'm really East or West, um, as of now, at least I'm not competing in any of those. Okay, okay. This is uh, a chance for you to give any shout-outs that you want to give before we say goodbye. And also, I want to make sure that we uh, let fans know uh, how they can follow you on social media and uh, keep up with what's going on with this fantastic. No, of course. Um, everyone can follow me at uh, Nick Sanchez 80 um, you know, all my social channels, uh, that, that's the name. Okay. Okay. And then, of course, Rev Racing uh, keeps up with everything that he's doing as well. So, um, uh, again, Nick, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show tonight uh, and sharing your uh, thoughts and emotions about uh, that win at Talladega Super Speedway. It's always fun. Uh, to kind of share that uh, afterward and and uh, look forward to that next race at Kansas where you know you've won before. So uh, thanks for your time here tonight. And we'll look forward uh, somewhere down the road. I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk to you again. Of course. Thank you guys for having me and have a great night. Okay. Thank you, Nick. All right, that is Nick Sanchez, uh, the winner from Talladega Super Speedway and the Arkham and Art Series. Uh, he's also a part-time driver for B.J. McLeod Motorsports in the Xfinity Series, and you'll see him back on track in the Xfinity Series at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So, Jay, your thoughts about our interview with uh, with uh, Nick Sanchez? Look, look forward to seeing how he does there at Charlotte, a mile-and-a-half track. Uh, the experience he is getting and what he has done, um, kind of been the lead driver for many years. You mentioned having gone through the combines and everything for Rev Racing. And, and you talked about that, if he's still there to help mentor then the next group if they have the combine again. But he is one that I see, you know, we've seen some drivers come out as, I guess, the, the next hottest thing. Nick Sanchez, I see as <coughs> that capability. He just hasn't necessarily been knocking down wins and championships. 
very solid and progressing, and I really look forward to seeing him uh, go into the Xfinity Series and, and what he does there and the opportunities, opportunities he gets based off those results. Because like I said, I see a very solid top-notch driver there. Yeah, you might not see it uh, in previous years, but I think there's a chance we might see it this year in the Arkham Menard series. I know his teammate, Roger Caruth, is at the top of the series point standings right now. Uh, but uh, Nick Sanchez has some strength in his corner with that victory, and uh, we'll see how that momentum carries him. Yeah, it'll be, okay. it'll be interesting. Uh, We've seen this in the past with Venturini Motorsports uh, as well as others. The teammate battles, uh, they, can, they can be a lot of fun to watch, and I know those two drivers uh, have a lot of fun together, so it'll be a great, uh, great series there to watch that points battle. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me, I had to cough the and I'm right. going to have you give the camping world uh, truck series details, and then I'll start at the bottom. I'm sorry, say that again. I, I, I couldn't understand you. Oh, the truck. Okay, the truck series. Uh, camping yeah, world truck series. Can... Yep. Uh, NASCAR camping world truck series. Series. The next race will be the Dead On Tools 200. Uh, it'll take place at Darlington Raceway. A couple of weeks yet, coming up on May 6, 7:30 p.m. Eastern. Total purse going to be 1,275 or 1 million, sorry, 275,583. Uh, TV coverage will be on FS1 starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and then uh, radio coverage will be MRN, a Sirius XM radio. The distance will be 200 miles, 147 laps. Stage one will end on lap 45, two on lap 90, and then the final shootout will be another 57 laps to end on lap 147. So we got a little bit of news here in the truck series. Uh, again, it, they're not racing for another week, but we like to keep you up to date here on what we got going. I'll scroll down Absolutely. to where the truck series notes are now. <laughs> Okay, there are four Camping World Truck Series drivers competing this weekend at Dover, <clears throat> and those uh, they will be competing either in the Cup Series or the Xfinity Series races. So even though the Truck Series is not racing, uh, some of the drivers will be behind the wheel at Dover. <clears throat> Kyle Busch Motorsports driver John Hunter Nemechek and Chandler Smith will be in the Xfinity Series race this weekend at Dover. Nemechek is competing in the 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing uh, and their Toyota. He has crew chief Jason Ratcliffe on top of the box. Uh, he's made, Nemechek's made three Xfinity Series starts this season, posting two top fives. And he's also made five Xfinity Series starts at Dover, posting three top ten finishes. Now, Nemechek's KBM teammate, Chandler Smith, is piloting the number 26 for Sam Hunt Racing uh, in the Toyota this weekend in the Xfinity Series at Dover. Uh, Smith made his uh, Xfinity career debut last weekend at Talladega, and this weekend will be his Xfinity Series track 
Thank you. At Dover, Young Motorsports uh, Cat Grower is driving the 48 Big Machine Racing Chevrolet in the Xfinity Series. And Growlers made four starts in the series this season, posting an average finish of 27.5. He also has two Dover Xfinity Series starts, posting an average finish of 25.5. On Sunday, David Gilliland's racing Ryan Priest is back in the NASCAR Cup Series, driving the number 15 for Rick Ware Racing uh, in their court with crew chief Kevin Rebelo. I don't know if I pronounced that right or not. Uh, Priest has made his season debut in the Cup Series at Richmond Raceway. He posted a top 10 finish, and he's made five Cup Series starts at Dover, posting an average finish of 23.2. So we're looking forward to seeing those Cup Series drivers uh, race this weekend at Dover. Well, I'll go ahead and move on to Darlington. Uh, we'll practice and work on that crew, uh, crew chief name there because I wouldn't have done any better with the chairing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, the road to get to Darlington is all roads as he leads to Darlington. And we look ahead to next weekend's Dead On Tools 200, mentioned May 6, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on FS1 MRN Sirius XM Radio at Darlington Raceway. we got current NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver standing leader and the defending series champion and Thor Sport driver Ben Rhodes is the only active winner dri- uh, driver entered in the race. Rhodes is also the most rene- recent winner in the series, having taken the checkered flag at Bristol Motor Speedway on dirt. In six starts this season, Rhodes has put up the one win there at Bristol and five top fives. Rhodes will be looking to add another win to his stat sheet at Darlington this next weekend. The Kentucky native has made three starts at the 1.366-mile track, posting a one win, which came in 2019, two top fives, and two top tens. Okay, we're six races in, and seven spots are still open in the Truck Series playoffs. Uh, We're six races in the books, and seven spots still up for grabs. Uh, The Truck Series playoffs for their Camping World Truck Series playoffs after the Bristol Dirt Race. Locked in are three drivers uh, this season on the virtue of a win. Zane Smith has two wins. Ben Rhodes and Chandler Smith each have one win. Uh, those that are in on points include four drivers have built up a points cushion of 25 points or more over the playoff cut line following Bristol. That includes Stuart Reason, who's plus 60 points from the cutoff, John Hunter Nemechek, plus 49, Christian Eckes, plus 39, just one point difference there. Uh, Time of just Jeske is 33 points uh, to the advantage, and Tyler, I'm sorry, Tanner Gray is plus 25 points. Now, Nice Motorsports Carson Hosevar is ranked ninth in the Champion World Truck Series playoff outlook. He's 16 points up on the postseason cutoff. Right behind Hosevar, though, is Motorsport Racing's two-time series champion, Matt Crafton, He's just nine points ahead of GMS Racing's Grant Infinger in 11th, the first spot outside of that playoff cutoff. 
Now, on the outside looking in, nine different drivers outside the top ten in the postseason outlook are still eligible to race their way into the playoffs by the end of the regular season. GMS Racing's Grant Dingfinger right now is 11th in the playoff outlook. He's nine points back from Matt Grafton in 10th, and he's got the uh, final playoff transfer spot. Now, following in finger is Jack Krauss, minus 23 points back from the cutoff. Then is Tyler Ankrum. He's 25 points back. Matt DiBenedetto, uh, there's a little bit of a break here. He's fifth. Timmy Hill, 57 points back. Austin Wayne Self, minus 62. Kate Fogelman, minus 74. And Chris Wright, minus 76. Now, keep in mind, the driver must be ranked in the top 20 in points to be eligible to earn a way into the playoffs. So uh, those drivers have to keep themselves in that top 20 to remain eligible. <clears throat> That's right. It's never too early to start watching that. I know uh, one of our hot topics has kind of revolved around that. But looking at the mm-hmm. the uh, five different Camping World Truck Series winners in the last five races, uh, since the second race of the season, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series has rallied off five different winners, and when the series returns to action at Darlington Raceway for the Dead On Tools 200, uh, could very well see a six. Mentioned Thor Sports Racing's Ben Road, the only active driver entered at Darlington Raceway with a Camping World Truck Series win at the uh, 1.366 mile egg-shaped track coming in 2019. The last two Truck Series races at Darlington, though, have been won by Sheldon Creed, who moved full-time into the Xfinity Series this season with Richard Childress racing. Now, three drivers are tied for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series' best average finish among active drivers at Darlington Raceway with a 5.0, and all three are looking for their win of the season. That includes Grant Enfinger, John Hunter Nemechek, and Christian Eckes. That'll be interesting there. we got John Hunter Nemechek. We haven't seen him uh, as strong as we did last year, at least to start the season. Ben Rhodes still off uh, on a hot start. So I think the truck series is going to be real interesting coming down the stretch. I think so, too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And and if you notice the purse, the purse is is a lot bigger uh, this week than we've seen in a while. So there's a lot of money on the line for that double-team race. Uh, now, a couple things I want to also mention here. If you uh, over at Jaskies, they have the Advanced Auto Parts Advanced My Track Challenge, and you can vote now for your favorite local track. Uh, for me, it's got to be Rockford Speedway here in Illinois. Uh, but you're, there's all kinds of tracks you can vote for, uh, and uh, this is your chance to uh, identify. Uh, what's the favorite local track in the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series. So, uh, it's, and it's calling attention to that weekly series as well. Part of, and that's all under NASCAR's umbrella. Well, I'd, I'd say you're showing a little favoritism, but that's what it is. It is picking your favorite. So, uh, most certainly, uh, <laughs> most people are obviously going to pick one in their home state or uh, area. But uh, there's some that throughout the country, though, that uh, certainly rank up there. I'll have to take a look at I hadn't looked at that list yet, but take a look at that. Uh, be interesting to see uh, and get some great exposure for your hometown track. Absolutely. Uh, there's also a couple of other notes there, Jay. 
Uh, I'll talk about Danny Bond, and then you can uh, maybe mention Armani Williams. Uh, Danny Bond is bringing awareness to Lyme's disease at uh, Darlington Raceway, and there's a picture of his truck for uh, his truck, his car. Uh, I'm having a hard time talking tonight. Xfinity Series. He's driving the number 11 Mountain Dew car, uh, and a great article there uh, uh, from. Uh, Young's Motorsports about Danny Bond bringing awareness to Lyme disease. Uh, and uh, the month of May is recognized as Lyme Disease Awareness Month. So uh, they're certainly embracing that with this uh, awareness campaign. Well, for me, there's no, be- no better way to bring awareness than through Mountain Dew, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but... Um... <laughs> Armani Williams, he's going to be returning to Reum Brothers Racing in 2022 for multiple races. Uh, quick run through again this article on jayski.com. Uh, I know he'll be, be beginning at Texas Motor Speedway next week. Now, he was impressive at his World Series debut at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway last August, where he finished a respectable 21st. Uh, after earning his Speedway license for NASCAR competition. So looking through here, I don't see if it says what his other races are. Again, the first one will be um, Texas Motor Speedway, but it will be multiple races. Oh, here we go. Williams will close out the 2022 Camping World Truck Series season at Phoenix uh, Raceway on November 4th with local support uh, from Visit Mesa, which is uh, Arizona, with the Lucas Oil 150. So, Keep an eye out for the races we get to see him in. And just to let you know, he's 20 and graduated to the Truck Series here after stints in the Premier Arkham Menards Series and both the Arkham Menards East and West, as well as the Canadian-based NASCAR's Pinty Series. Okay. Uh, that race uh, for Danny Bone, I think I inadvertently said Xfinity Series. It actually is the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series at Darlington Raceway. It's on May the 6th, so uh, definitely uh, looking forward to seeing him behind the wheel. Anything else uh, that we want to mention here in the truck series? We've kind of covered No, I know we'll... Yeah, and we'll get to a a full preview of that. Again, they're off for one more weekend um, before they hit Darlington, so next Thursday night... We'll look forward to doing that, along with the throwback weekend. Yeah, I think we've already mentioned uh, Spencer Boyd running the Michael Waltrip throwback truck uh, with Ryan Rimtime at Darlington and Matt Benedetto with Rackley Boer uh, team to honor Sterling Marlin in the Darlington Raceway throwback weekend. So uh, Haley Deacon has a nod to Bobby Ellison. So, uh, again, there's quite a few drivers uh, preparing their uh, throwback cars for that Darlington race weekend. Yeah, this is always one of my favorite times of year. You can find them on, uh, I think, NASCAR.com. Jayski does a good job of keeping them updated. But you got to take a look at some of these paint schemes. There's not a whole lot we can do uh, over the radio uh, to tell you about them um, other than tell you who it is a throwback to you got to go back and look at them, and they really do bring back some nostalgia feelings in history. I, I really like it. Again, whoever, whoever came yeah. up with that idea for the throwback weekend at Darlington, absolutely brilliant. 
Absolutely. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series. They are racing this weekend. The A-Game 200 at Dover Motor Speedway is Saturday, April 30th. Starts at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time with a purse of $1,419,713. Pre-race coverage will be on Fox Sports 1 starting at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. The distance is 200 miles over 200 laps. Stage 1 and 2 are 45 laps apiece. Stage 1 ending on lap 45, stage 2 on lap 90. And the final lap is 110 laps ending on lap 200. Uh, What do we have for the Xfinity Series here, Jay? I'm going to give my best... uh jerry mcguire impression and say show me the money <laughs> we got a winner winner almondinger dover is the final is to host the final round of the dash for cash now another driver looking for that three-peat this weekend at dover motor speedway and that be veteran driver aj almondinger he took home the dash for cash one hundred thousand dollar prize for the second time this season he picked it up at martinsville as well as talladega now, prior to Almendinger winning two Dash for Cash rounds this year, only eight drivers had won multiple rounds in a single season. Uh, Reed Sorensen did it in 2011 at Daytona in Iowa. Elliot Sadler in 2013 at Daytona in Chicago. Regan Smith at Dover in Indianapolis in 2015. 2016, it was Eric Jones, uh, Bristol and Dover. Justin Alger did it the next year in 17 at Phoenix and Richmond. And Bell came along in 19, did it at Bristol and Dover. Chastain did it in 2000, Ross Chastain, in Atlanta and Pocono. And last year it was Noah Gregson, and he's got three, as he did Martinsville, Talladega, and Darlington. AJ, could we repeat that actually exactly so? Uh, if Almendinger wins this fourth and final dash for cash round of the 2022 season, again, he'll join Gregson as one of only two drivers to win the three of the four rounds, banking $300,000 in bonuses, coincidentally right at the same tracks. Uh, now, this weekend, Almendinger will battle it out on the Monster Mile with Noah Gregson, Landon Castle, and Ryan Sieg. Uh, great to see those two names in there. That's the final dash for cash opportunity of the 2022 season. Now, of the four drivers vying for that dash for cash this weekend at Dover, Gregson has the best average finish at the track with a 9-point, followed by Almendinger, who's at 12.5. Sieg's at 14.6. Landon Castle with a 21.2. But he's with College Racing this year, so keep your eye on him. Okay, and we should note that there are some Cup Series regulars uh, planning to make a few Xfinity Series appearances, including Junior Motorsports, who will be fielding a fifth car, the number 88 Chevrolet Camaro in five additional Xfinity Series races this season. Behind the wheel be, will be Chase Elliott at Darlington Raceway on May 7th, William Byron at Texas Motor Speedway on May 21st, and New Hampshire Motor Speedway on July 16th. Then Kyle Larson will be behind the wheel at Watkins Glen International on August the 20th and Darlington Raceway on September the 3rd. So uh, 
you skipped that one, Jay. <laughs> I see, I see that now, but uh, I do have it up on the hot topics list. I guess that's where where I had seen it. I hadn't noticed it in the notes here, so I apologize for that. But uh, we'll hit that again in hot topics coming up here in about a half hour. Uh, okay. Moving on to the monster mile. Justin Algar has conquered that monster before. Only the we only got one active NASCAR Xfinity Series driver this weekend that can tout the fact that they have conquered that monster mile, and that belongs to junior motorsports driver Justin Algar. The Illinois native grabbed the win at, wins at the one mile concrete track in 2018 as well as 2020. Algar has undoubtedly perfected his strategy for the one mile track at Dover Motor Speedway. Make sure I say that right. Uh, currently riding an eight-race streak of top ten finishes. And what's more impressive is that he has finished third or better in seven of those eight top tens. Now, it should, also shouldn't shock you that he's also done well on the other one-mile track, um, such as Phoenix, and 24 starts at Phoenix Raceway. He's posted two wins eight top fives, and 16 top tens. Now, Algar has had a strong start to the 2022 season, posting a top ten finishes through the first four races, but has since struggled to keep up the momentum. Perhaps Dover Motor Speedway will be a turning point for him to get back on track. In total, Algar has made 21 starts uh, at Dover, posting two wins, ten top tens, I'm sorry, 10 top fives and 14 top tens. Well, another driver that keeps finding victory lane is Noah Gregson. He held off a very hard-charging Jeffrey Arnhart in the famous number three RCR Chevrolet at Talladega Super Speedway. Junior motorsports driver Noah Gregson took the checkered flag and became the second Xfinity Series driver this season with multiple wins, winning at both Phoenix and Talladega, making 2022 his third consecutive season with multiple victories. Now, back in no, back in the number nine junior motorsports Chevrolet this weekend at Dover, Gregson is making his way to victory lane for the third time in just 10 races this season. Um, <clears throat> he's hoping to make his way to victory lane for the third time uh, this season in just 10 races. Uh, that would tie Ty Gibbs uh, for the season's most wins so far. Uh, <clears throat> Still hear me, Jay? Yeah, you faded away in a real week now. You, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm going to – can you hear me better now? There, there, there you go. Yep, you're good. Okay. Um, now, Gregson has done well at one-mile tracks and has the wins to show for it. His first win this season was at Phoenix, a track where he's posted a top 15 finish in all but one race since 2019. And the same can be said about his stints at Dover Motor Speedway. His only finish outside the top 15 at the Monster Mile was in 2019 spring race when he placed 19. Now, Gregson might be hot right now, but the 19-year-old Ty Gibbs isn't going to make it easy for Gregson this weekend. Like Gregson, Gibbs 
also has a good track record at one-mile tracks. And although he doesn't have too much history to look back on, as his last year was his rookie season, he posted a fifth-place finish last year at Dover and had a runner-up finish at Phoenix. Okay, hold on. I lost my spot here. This season, his run at the one-mile tracks resulted in a top-ten finish, and Gibbs has posted three wins, three top fives, and five top tens in the first nine races of the season. And after a crash at Talladega that left him near the back of the pack, he's likely to come into this weekend's race at Dover uh, fierce and focused. Now, to add even more fuel to the fire between these two competitors, they are within just five points of each other in the Xfinity Series driver standings. Although both are already, already locked into the playoffs with their respective wins, Gregson's 344 points has a slight edge over Gibbs at 339 points. So well, that's quite a competition shaping up there between those two drivers. It uh, certainly is, and I can't wait to see that play out on the track. When we look at Dover, Dover's Monster Mile for the NASCAR Xfinity Series, they're going to need to bring their A-game for the A-game 200 at Dover Motor Speedway. Uh, it'll be Saturday, April 30th for the 10th race of the 2022 season. Five drivers have secured their spots in the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs this season, leaving seven positions still open. Now, last year at the Monster Mile, it was Team Penske's Austin Sindrick who worked his way up from the 16th starting position to win for the third time in the 2021 season. Uh, Sindrick went on to win two more times that year. There have been 75 NASCAR Xfinity Series races at Darlington or at Dover Motor Speedway, sorry, uh, with 48 different pole winners, 51 different race winners. Eight races have been won from the pole at Dover in the Xfinity Series, most recently by Kyle Larson back in 2017. Now, Kyle Busch has the most wins at the track. Um, what do we got? Five, six, 2008, 2010 sweep, and a 2014 sweep, so five. Uh, has posted the most top tens at 15 and has led the most laps at the Monster Mile for a total of 1,349. And Joey Logano holds the race record at 131 points. 219 miles per hour come back in 2013 and Eric Jones holds the qualifying record from 2016 at 158.318 miles per hour and this weekend two former Xfinity Series Dover pole winners are entered into the A-game 200 Daniel Hemrick did it in October of 18 and Brandon Jones in May of 18 and we mentioned just the one former Xfinity Series Dover winner entered this weekend is Justin Algar with his two wins there in 2018 and 2020. Now, on-track activity for the Xfinity Series will get started on Friday the 29th. Uh, we do have practice scheduled from 3 to 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, and that will be directly followed by qualifying at 3.30 Eastern. Okay. Now, the race Xfinity Series race at Dover Motor Speedway is going to be the 200th. NASCAR event at the Monster Mile. So uh, uh, 
the race on Saturday will go down in the record books as the 200th NASCAR National Series race held in the state of Delaware, all of which have been at the Monster Miles over Motor Speedway. They have 103 cup races there, 75 Xfinity races, and 21 Truck Series races. That's a total of 199. The first race was in 1969 at Dover Motor Speedway, and that was the NASCAR Cup Series race held on July the 6th of The race was won by Hall of Famer Richard Petty driving a Ford or Petty Enterprises. The first Xfinity Series race was on May of 82 at Dover, and the event was won by Joe Rutman driving a Pontiac for car owner Butch Mock. The first truck series race at Dover was held on September 22nd of 2000, and the race was won by Kurt Busch driving a Ford for Jack Roush. The 50th NASCAR National Series race at Dover was on June 4th of 89, a NASCAR Cup Series race that was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt. The 100th NASCAR National Series race at Dover was on June 3rd, 2001, Again, the NASCAR Cup Series race that was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon. The 150th National Series race at Dover was May 15th of 2011. Again, it was a NASCAR Cup Series race that was won by Matt Kenseth. So a big milestone there for Dover Motor Speedway this weekend. Uh, also coming up this weekend is the NASCAR Cup Series race, the two, <laughs> one of the um, uh, many, it'll be the 201st race at uh, Dover. Uh, the Duramax Driving 400 presented by Railadine. Uh, that will take place on Sunday, May the 1st at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. The purse, $7,205,203. Uh, it'll be televised at Fox Sports 1. Their pre-race coverage starts at 2 p.m. Eastern. And radio coverage is available at MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now they will be racing a distance of 400 miles over 400 laps. The first stage ends on lap 120. The second stage ends on lap 250. And the final stage ends on lap 400. Uh, Again, a lot to look forward to in this uh, Cup Series race. Uh, So... What do we have there? Grammy-nominated and CMA New Artist of the Year is going to perform there. Let me scroll up there. Okay. Um, Yeah, Grammy-nominated CMA New Artist of the Year is Jimmy Allen. He'll perform the pre-race concert. As a Delaware native and multi-platinum-selling, award-winning country music superstar Jimmy Allen, to perform the pre-race concert at the Monster Mile before the Duramax Dryden 400, presented by uh, Relidine NASCAR Cup Series race on Sunday, May the 1st. With the, it'll be at the Embrace Home Loan Stage in Victory Plaza. Now, Alan is a Milton, Delaware native, most recently nominated for Best New Artist at the Grammy Awards in April, and co-hosted the ACM Awards with Dolly Parton in March. Other 2022 nominations for Allen have included the ACM Male Artist of the Year, standing new artist at the uh, NAACP Image Awards. 
He's the reigning CMA New Artist of the Year, the New Artist of the Year, uh, and also won the ACM New Male Artist of the Year in 2021. His third album, The Tulip Drive, will be released on June 24th, and records lead single Down Home is uh, available everywhere now. Okay, let's reminisce about Hendrick Motorsports' one, two, three, four finish uh, last season. Now, last season, Hendrick Motorsports flexed its competitive muscles, becoming the third team all-time in Cup Series history to finish a race with all four of its cars in the top four spots. Joining Peter DePaulo Racing on December 30th of 1956 at Titusville, uh, April 7, 1957, at North Wilkesboro, and RFK Racing, who did it on November 20, 2005, at Homestead, Miami. Alex Bowman led Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, and William Byron to a 1-3-4 finish at Hendrick Motorsports at Dover Motor Speedway just last season. Now, going from the bottom up, we'll look at some uh, face-offs between uh, some drivers uh, to watch for this weekend. You want to start with Chase Elliott and Tyler Reddick? Yeah, I love I love these matchups when you get to thinking about them. We got the number nine Chase Elliott versus the number eight of Tyler Reddick. Now Reddick has been a magnet for heartbreak, uh, unfortunately, over the past couple of weeks. He got taken out while battling for the lead on the final lap uh, two weeks ago at Bristol, and then followed that up with a part failure at Talladega that took him out of contention in the opening stage of the race. And with how much speed Reddick has shown this season, it seems likely he'll regain his footing this weekend at Dover. But can he outgun Chase Elliott head-to-head? Now, Elliott was stellar in this race last year, obviously, posting a third-place finish and has a win in 2018 at the facility to his credit. Now, this matchup will be a fascinating battle between the driver who has been consistently solid all year long in Chase Elliott versus that inconsistent driver who has at times had appeared to have top dominant speed in Tyler Reddick. Okay, next up we have Kevin Harvick in the number four versus the number 19 of Martin Truex Jr. Now, both of these drivers are looking for the first win this season. Uh, Harvick started the season slow, but he's come alive recently. Truex, on the other hand, has been as close as anyone to a win this year, but has found some trouble and bad luck late in races. So these two veterans uh, host two of the best drivers. Uh, These veterans hoist two of the best driver averages at Dover and will certainly be looking forward to their stacking hopes to get a much-needed win this season. In the next matchup we got, we talked about this earlier, it's between teammates. Alex Bowman in the number 48 and number 24, William Byron, both driving for HMS. Now, before last year, most people thought that Alex Bowman was the clear fourth-best driver at Hendrick Motorsports. But a lot of narrative has changed over the past 24 months. Both drivers are, cons- are as consistent as they come and are always in the mix in, uh, late in the races, no matter what the track. Now, Byron does have two wins to Bowman's one this year, but Bowman may have the edge at Dover. Uh, Bowman returns to defend his win, while Byron owns two top fives and looks to break through here at the Monster Mile. 
Okay, our last matchup here is uh, the number one of Ross Chastain versus the number five of Kyle Larson. Chastain's dream season continued last Sunday at Talladega as he collected his second win of the year after a tight battle for the win on the final lap of <laughs> Kyle Larson and Eric Jones. Now, Chastain has shown speed in nearly every race this season, but can he topple Larson for a second week in a row on one of Larson's best tracks statistically? That will be the question heading into our headline matchup of the week. So uh, we'll see what happens over on Sunday. Well, moving up with Bell and Reddick, actually teeter on the playoff cutoff cut line heading into Dover. And to scant one point that separates the Joe Gibbs racing driver, Christopher Bell, who's in 16th in that final NASCAR Cup Series playoff position, from Richard Childress Racing's Tyler Reddick in 17th, which is the first spot outside the postseason cut as they head to Dover Motor Speedway for the Duramax Dryden 400, presented by Reladine again Sunday, May 1st. Now, both Bell and Reddick earned spots in last season's NASCAR Cup Series playoffs for the first time in their careers and intend to do the same this year as well. And Bell's made three Cup Series starts at the Monster Mile, posting an average finish of 12, or I'm sorry, 23.3. The young Oklahoma, Oklahoman has also back-to-back wins at the 1.36-mile 366-mile track, coming in the Xfinity Series from 2018 to 2019. So those are on his resume. Now, Reddick has made three Cup Series starts at Dover, where he's posted one top 10 finish. Average finish right there, close to it, at 13.0. Okay. Defending um, uh, the series points leader, Chase Elliott, is still winless after 10 races into the 2022 season. Uh, It's so hard to believe that he doesn't have a win yet. Atop the Cup Series point standings the season following Talladega is Hendrick Motorsports driver Chase Elliott. He's holding a 21-point lead over second-place Ryan Blaney as the series heads to Dover Motor Speedway for the Duramax Driving 400. Uh, Elliott returns to the Monster Mile looking for his first win this season, riding a winless streak that dates back to Road America on July 4th of 2021 and just 26 races ago. That's so hard to believe. But his consistency keeps him at the top of the points. Taming the concrete mile of Dover has come naturally for Elliot, though. He has 11 series starts at the Monster Mile and has collected one win in 2018. Eight top five finishes, including a third-place result just last season. So he'll be one to watch this weekend. Always, always one to watch. So now we got to look at three teams, though, over the last 17 cup races that have dominated Dover. And that spans from 2013 to 2021. In those last 17 NASCAR Cup Series races at Dover Motor Speedway, only three teams have visited Victory Lane. Hendrick Motorsports, who has eight wins during that time. Joe Gibbs Racing with five wins. Stuart Haas racing with four wins. And the most recent win at Dover Motors was Hendrick Motorsports, 
when Alex Bowman drove to the win last season. It was the organization's NASCAR Cup Series leading 21st victory at Dover among seven different drivers. Uh, Jimmy Johnson holds a good chunk of that with 11 wins. Jeff Gordon has five. Jeff Bodine has one. Ken Schrader won. Ricky Rudd won. Chase Elliott won. And now Alex Bowman with one. Uh, eight of those 21 wins have come in the last 17 races, which is 47% in nearly half of the event spanning from 13 to 21. Not far behind HMS when wins there at Dover is Joe Gibbs Racing, who has a total of nine NASCAR Cup Series Dover victories, five of them coming in those last 17 events at the one-mile facility. The most recent uh, Joe Gibbs Racing driver to win was Danny Hamlin, and that was in 2020. The third organization to jump in on the wins at Dover Motor Speedway in that time period is Stuart Haas Racing with four victories amongst two drivers, Tony Stewart, uh, picked on up in 2013, and Kevin Harvick has ones in 2015, 18, and 2020. Now this season, five different organizations have won at least one race in the NASCAR Cup Series. It's led by Hendrick Motorsports, who has four victories. Then we got Trackhouse Racing with two victories. Joe Gibbs Racing also with two. Team Penske has one, and Stuart Haas Racing has one. So we love the parody. We're, we're seeing that play out with this next-gen car. We certainly are, and I love it. Okay, now the NASCAR Car Cup Series dives into the monster mile at Dover Motor Speedway uh, with the dry, Duramax Dragging 400 presented by Relodyne on Sunday. Aptly nicknamed the monster mile, Dover Motor Speedway is a one-mile concrete paved oval located in Dover, Delaware. It's also known as Dover, it was also known as Dover Downs International Speedway, and they've hosted 103 Cup Series races dating back to the inaugural event, as we mentioned earlier, on July 6, 1969. The first Dover Cup Series race was run by NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty. We mentioned that earlier. Uh, he drove at 115.772 miles per hour, uh, and the race was two hours and 35 minutes and 28 seconds. But he actually won the first two Cup Series events at the track in 69 and again in 1970. In total, 103 Cup Series races at Dover have produced 42 different pole winners and 39 different race winners. NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson leads the series in poles with six. He had his, in 69, a 73 sweep, 74, 75, and in 81. Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin leads all active series drivers in polls at Dover with four, 2012, 13, 15, and 19. Seven of the 42 Cup Series Dover poll winners are active this weekend. They include Denny Hamlin, who has the four polls we mentioned. Martin Truex Jr. has three. In 17, 11, and 10, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, and Kevin Harvick all have one from 2014 through 2019. Recently retired driver Jimmy Johnson holds the NASCAR Cup Series record for the most wins at Dover, has 11 victories, including a 2002 sweep, 2005 playoff win, 2009 sweep, 
2010 playoffs, the spring of 2012, 2013 playoffs, the spring of 2014, and the spring of 2015, along with the spring of 2017. Three drivers are tied for the most wins among active competitors at Dover, including Kevin Harvick, Martin Fritz Jr., and Kyle Busch. Each of them have three wins. Of the 39 different Cup Series winners at Dover, nine are active this weekend. It includes Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Busch with those three victories each. And then, uh, dating from 2011 to 2021, are drivers with one win, including Alex Bowman, Danny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, and Kurt Busch. This weekend, Duramax 400, uh, Duramax Sardine 400, again, is 400 laps broken up into the three stages. Uh, and all the on-track action begins for the Cup Series on Saturday, April 30th, with practice from 10.30 a.m. to 11.15 a.m., uh, directly followed by the Bushlight Gold Pine at 11.15 a.m., and both practice and qualifying will be televised on Fox Sports 1, as will the race uh, at 2 p.m. with the pre-race coverage on Fox Sports 1. So, uh, Jay, we are at the top of the hour, and that means it's time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. So, uh, what is our first hot topic for tonight? Hey, are you still there? Nope. Sorry, I got to come off uh, off mute there as I was trying to pull up our, our list. Um, couldn't find the one I wanted to uh, to pull up, but let's see. I know we put a lot of them up today. I guess we, I hate to start with this one, but we'll go ahead and get it out of the way. Uh, Daniel Dye was recently uh, yeah. charged with. Uh, I guess it was, what was it, assault? No, felony battery and has been suspended by ARCA Menard Series. Uh, there's a lot of information out there on it, so uh, fans want to check it out, but I guess he punched somebody in the, in the groin area and it caused some serious medical problems, and he has been charged with uh, felony battery and, like I said, suspended by ARCA Menard Series. Yeah, uh, it started as a prank, a teenage prank in the classroom, but resulted in felony charges for Daniel Dye. Uh, this is going to be interesting to follow. I hate to hear this. Um, it, it's uh, not something that we want to hear about our uh, ARCA or NASCAR series drivers. I know he races for GMS Racing as well in the truck series. Uh, right now, they're kind of waiting to see what happens with this. They've not really made a whole lot of statements yet. But uh, he has been suspended indefinitely in the Arkham and Art Series. Uh, and, uh, uh, again, just a disappointing situation. Uh, I hate to see it for somebody who is so young. Um, and uh, to have to have this on his record is, is kind of a shame. Uh, but uh, let me see if there's any other. I think I'm the only one who made a comment there. 
nobody else really made any comments. But, Jay, I'm curious to know your thoughts about it. It's just sad to see this happen. It is. Uh, and in the position he's in and second in the currently second currently second in the Arkham Menard series point standings, um, going to be an unfortunate situation if he misses a race. Now, no matter where he is in points, that shouldn't be relevant to what happened. If there's a, a if there's an issue yeah. off the track, uh, okay, I understand that. What I don't particularly like is that this time it hasn't been. He has been charged, uh, obviously, but not convicted. And I believe it was his lawyer who said that you know he'd be exonerated when it all when all the facts came out. I understand the sanctioning body's position, wanting to be aware of it and take action, but until it all comes out, I, I don't know that they should be suspending him. Now, with that, of you mentioned it as a kid's, uh, he mentioned he's 18. It was uh, with another high school friend, um, horsing around or however it came about what they were doing, and an unfortunate situation happened with this. You know, I don't see it as a vicious crime, okay? Now, letter of the law, that's what they've charged him with, is felony battery. I think that plays into a huge factor, and I'm hoping that as the situation, more details come out, all this information will come out. Uh, understand, again, you know, accidental or not, there are going to be repercussions from it, but that he'll be able to recover from it and go through any kind of training program. Because like I said, I don't view it as a vicious, um, can't think of the other word I was looking for, but thought out intended uh, action action that he attacked somebody. So um, hopefully that comes into consideration. And like I said, that he'll be able to work with the sanctioning body. Yes. And per pop, Congress on uh, Twitter, uh, Dye's attorney Aaron Delgado said, once all the facts do come to light, and you mentioned this, Jay, uh, Mr. Dye is going to be completely exonerated. It appears that this was people playing a game at the school and nothing more than that. The school is not taking any action, and we don't think police involvement was warranted. So uh, we have to follow this and see how this plays out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, from what we've seen, it appears that the, the other boy was uh, uh, sustained an injury that could be uh, a lifelong injury that will affect him, and uh, that's where this uh, suit is coming from and why there was a charge filed against him. So uh, I kind of see both sides of the story there. I'm sure once the parents got involved, they weren't going to let it just slide by. They wanted to take some action. So uh, if it's your son, uh, you would certainly feel the same way. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll have to see how the legality of the situation plays out. But uh, it, it's just unfortunate for both boys that this, this did play out. Uh, and uh, one is going to have something that follows him for the rest of Well, they'll both have this uh, follow them for the rest of their lives. So um, I, I hope it works out. Uh, um, I don't know. I just hope that, it, that these guys can get past this, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
You mentioned it, okay, they were both involved in, you know, we'll call it horseplay again, I don't know the exact details of what they were doing, but and an unfortunate situation developed and happened, obviously feel bad for them, but I, I think of it as if you happen to have, a, and I, I unfortunately had this with a, with a cousin of mine, if you're cleaning the gun or whatever, yeah, you, you're supposed to make sure it's not loaded, whatever, and shot his sister, okay, that is not murder or attempted murder, okay, it was an accident. So that's where I think the difference is, and I don't like the fact that, unfortunately, it's being charged with uh, the felony battery. Um, I just, like I said, I don't see that as a vicious attack then versus an accidental. Yes, it still happened, and there, yes, there may still be repercussions from it, but I don't think it should be the same level of if it is done with intent or malicious, uh, malicious intent. That was the word I was looking for earlier, um, as a violent thing. So, like I said, hopefully, uh, you know, right now, uh, the Arkham and Ard series isn't racing this weekend. Hopefully some of this will be settled before their next race uh, to, to prevent him from being suspended. Now, I don't want to say that just because he's in the Arkham and Ard series or he's second in points or anything, he should be exempt from any punishment. Because if it is that he did it and it was with intent or whatever, then by all means, I do feel that the suspension is warranted. I just don't know that we have that yet. So uh, we'll have to see, like you said, how, how all the information comes out and what gets settled out of it. Yeah, it's really hard to do this. I get that. But I do think that we need to uh, kind of withhold any judgment on this situation until all of the facts are clear and uh, let the legal process take its due course. Okay, Jay, what's our next top topic? Well, the other one, and I'm going to have to wait on that one. I know we kind of talked about it, um, Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs, and I was looking for, I just had an article, but Toyota has apparently backed Kyle Busch, which is kind of pointing the finger at Joe Gibbs as to why the deal's not done. And I know Kyle kind of made reference to this in his interview when asked about it, you know, he said, go ask Joe Gibbs. Uh, do you think there's something there? Is it just that, that Joe Gibbs obviously wants to have sponsorship deal tied up um, before he commits to the driver? Or do you think there's a change coming? Okay. I don't know where you're getting that from. I didn't see that earlier. Uh, so I'm trying to find like I that. Said, yeah, no, it, it was uh, – I don't know. I got it off of Google. Um, but like, apparently Toyota came out and kind of vouched for, for, for Kyle Busch saying that they want him in the Toyota along with it, Joe Gibbs. Um, and it was, now this was a, what do you call it? Editorial. This is this person's opinion. Then that that points the finger to Joe Gibbs as to why it's not being you posted on our hot already. topics. Jay? No, I was trying to wait. It was while, during the show and I, I lost the link and now I can't find the article back. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I don't have, I haven't read anything on this, so I'm kind of speaking from the top, if you will. Uh, But, yeah, it makes you wonder uh, if maybe there isn't some bad blood there between Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs Racing. I do know uh, that they are probably looking for a spot for uh, Ty Gibbs 
move up into the Cup Series. I hope they showed some restraint with that. I think it would do Ty Gibbs some good uh, to stay in the Xfinity Series another year. Uh, we'll have to see how this season continues to play out. I hope they don't push him up to the Cup Series too soon. Uh, but I think that might be part of where there's some bad blood. Uh, I know there was some mention that Denny Hamlin, uh, this was uh, something a few weeks ago, there was some talk that maybe Denny Hamlin uh, was considering retirement after this year, too. So uh, that would certainly open up a spot as well. But, um, uh, again, I kind of feel like I'm talking off the cuff because I don't really have any information on it. Uh, but um, that's something that those guys are going to have to work out between them. Uh, we can all have our opinions, uh, but in the end, uh, they do have to kind of work those things out. I do wish uh, that the media would ask Joe Gibbs uh, some questions on this, though. Uh, he says that they're working on something. He thinks that uh, things are going to work out uh, to keep Kyle Bush in that car. So from the comments that he's made, it doesn't sound uh, like he's trying to hold uh, Kyle Bush back. But uh, as you mentioned, Kyle Bush kind of alludes to uh, some bad blood there. So, again, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see how that plays out in the end. Well, and, okay. and the feeling, the feeling, yeah, the feeling I get from it that I that I take from the whole situation is first, you know, Kyle would obviously like to have had it done already, as he said he'd like to have it done yesterday. Um, I, and this is my opinion. I think it has more so to do with the length or term of the contract, as far as that. That maybe, as you said, they don't want to secure any kind of long term. We've seen Hendrick Motorsports give Jeff Gordon a lifetime contract, you know, uh, part mm-hmm. ownership. So I think there's some things, and Brad Keselowski just went through this. Uh, you know, I think he wanted to stay at Team Penske, but he wanted to become as a, involved as a ownership and leadership. Uh, and Penske didn't, didn't want to, didn't have that open spot or opportunity. Um, so it happened. But, yeah, I think there's more to it. I mean, obviously the sponsorship deal uh, is a key factor. You mentioned the possibility of um, Ty Gibbs coming up. Now, you, you mentioned Danny Hamlin. Whether it be retirement or not, he could possibly have the option of going to his own team uh, with 2311. The other one that I think of was Martin Truex, as we talked about um, last, last season. He said with the next-gen car, Again, if it didn't mesh well with him, he may be looking at retirement um, rather than trying to fight through several seasons of learning the new car. Now, he hasn't been as strong as we've seen him in years past, but I don't know that anybody has as, as it is a change and an adaptation. <laughs> but I think he's getting his, his footing under him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. And then <laughs> I think about it. Uh, we've seen Christopher Bell got the spot and it cost Daniel Suarez, Eric Jones, you know, relatively quickly. Could we possibly see Bell be out real quick, too, uh, as we have in the past? Yeah, he could certainly be on a hot spot. Uh, But, again, I really hope that they keep taking at the Xfinity Series level uh, for at least 
one more year. Uh, I think there's some maturity there that he needs to develop before he gets up into the Cup Series. Uh, and we've seen the results of trying to push a driver, especially a talented driver, up into the Cup Series uh, too soon, uh, especially when they don't have that maturity to be able to handle it. So I think Ty Gibbs falls into that category. I think it's important that he stay in the Xfinity Series. So I hope all of this to do, um, uh, you bring up a good point that uh, Kyle Busch may be looking uh, for other concessions with his contract uh, that that maybe Joe Gibbs isn't willing to do. It's going to be hard for him to get an ownership stake at Joe Gibbs Racing, I think. Uh, he does have his own team, Kyle Busch Motorsports. Um, so uh, I think he would want to take more uh, of an active role there and maybe pursuing Kyle Busch Motorsports as more of an Xfinity Series team or even advancing eventually into the Cup Series with Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, before he takes an ownership role at Joe Gibbs Racing. He's, he's developed that avenue for himself already. Uh, now, if he gets fed up with uh, NASCAR overall, I could see him wanting to just drop out altogether and pursue other opportunities. He does have Brexton. Uh, who is, has his racing career that's developing, and he enjoys being a part of that. So that would open the door for him to have more involvement from that perspective as well. Um, so, again, I don't know all of the details behind it. I don't know that anybody really does know all of the details behind it. Um, we're just getting some inferences uh, from Kyle Bush that he's not happy. Uh, and to ask Joe Gibbs uh, about the contract. Uh, and like I say, Joe Gibbs seems to think it's all going to work out. So we have to wait this one out and see how it plays. Um, but I do think Kyle Bush has a lot of other options uh, as it relates to him directly. Uh, and you're right, so does Denny Hamlin. He has a lot of other options. Uh, and Martin Truex Jr., um, who knows what he'll do. Uh, he, he likes going fishing, or maybe he'll go back to uh, the grassroots race uh, when he decides to hang it up. I think a lot of these drivers that are having trouble with this new next-gen car, I think as the season gets to the halfway point, you're going to see a lot of those teams starting to excel. Well, and, and you actually Any other? Brought, brought it up uh some of the things you brought up made me actually think maybe I was looking at it from the wrong end. Maybe it is that Kyle Busch wants a shorter contract, just say. Maybe Gibbs does look to want to sign him long-term, and he's saying no. Like you mentioned, maybe he wants to go to his own team and work on that or spend time with Bracton. So maybe it is he's wanting a shorter contract that Joe Gibbs is looking for a longer one, especially when it comes to going back to the sponsorship. A lot of times if they're committing, they want to match up and parallel it driver and sponsor. That's true. So, um, now, I do find it kind of interesting. As I said, Kyle Busch clearly said, asked Joe Gibbs, this article I read, and I know you said you, you didn't get a chance to read it because I didn't sh- get it shared, but was the same thing of Toyota saying, hey, it's on Joe Gibbs. Now, all he has said is that, he, that things are being worked on and he feels it will work out. So 
like you said, we don't know the exact details of where anything's at or what the direction they're going is, but it just seems like everybody's pointing the finger at Coach Gibbs. So it'll be interesting. Uh, like I said, when we talked about this the other night, I like to think about the possibilities of Kyle Bush going somewhere else or what he were to do if he were to leave Joe Gibbs. I still am firm, firmly behind it because, again, Kyle didn't say, hey, I don't want to drive for him. It's just not done yet. I think maybe his deal is the fact that it's not done yet um, and as to why it's on Coach Gibbs. So I still think he will end up at Coach Gibbs, uh, Joe, Joe Gibbs Racing, um, at least for another three, I'd say three or five-year deal. I don't know what kind of deals he signed. But the possibilities of what were to happen if he weren't, that's kind of fun to imagine. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, but uh, uh, going back to what you said about Christopher Bell, I do think he's on a little bit of a hot seat, uh, and he's, he needs to perform this season uh, and maybe into next season if he's given the opportunity uh, because there are other drivers uh fighting at the bit to, to take that seat. And that seat in particular uh, is a hot seat and it has been for quite a few years. Yeah, it, it seems like these drivers are, I mean, especially your younger and upcoming drivers uh, that to perform and perform now, um, which is why it seems like drivers like Ty Gibbs, uh, Daniel Suarez, Christopher Bell get moved up so fast because of are winning and so thus they want to move them up and and have them at the top level but we've seen the negative effect and i think about going back as far as joey logano daniel suarez i know i mentioned his name a few few weeks ago casey atwood you know and it not Mm -hmm. he didn't get that chance at a second opportunity he just up and disappeared and that's sad it is sad because he was a talented guy Okay, uh, let's move on to the next hot topic, Jay. All right, I know you had this one up, and uh, I did watch Race Hub today. They've announced the format for the All-Star Race. Uh, we'll once again be at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, a couple little different things, and let me pull that up the whole um, bracket, or yeah, what's called the brackets. Okay. Uh, let's see if I can run through this relatively quickly. Um, there'll be a four-round qualifying procedure, which will be highlighted by head-to-head elimination bracket to include a four-tire pit stop. And what that is, I just became really familiar with this with the Ultimate Series I work with. Um, top eight, once they qualify, one lap of qualifying, once they qualify, the top eight will go head-to-head in an elimination bracket. And that'll include the pit stop. So it'll include the pit crews. And then as, as they advance, the winner will end up on the pole. Um, I think that was the biggest change to it. The stages, the fastest pit stop earning a the top spot position for the final pit. Let me read, read that again. First three stages, the fastest pit stop earning earn the advantage with top the, starting the first position. First three stage the, winners. Okay, okay, there we go. First three-stage winners, the fastest pit stop, earn the advantage with the top starting positions in that final stage. Um, so that's a little bit of a change. Mentioned that it's gonna that be back pays out $1 million. 
Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, so I think those were pretty much the changes, the, the prominent twist in the in the round-to-round qualifying with the head-to-head elimination and including the pivotal role of the pit crews. Yeah, the stages are uh, 25 laps for stage one, 25 laps for stage two, a special stage break in pit stop competition uh, will take place. Each team must pit and perform a four-tire stop. The team with the shortest time on pit road, pit in and pit out, wins the pit crew award, and the driver will start fourth in the final stage as long as he finishes 15th or better in stage three. Stage three, again, is 25 laps, and the winner of stage three starts third in the final stage. Uh, so stage four is 50 laps. The stage one winner starts first, stage two winner second. Stage three winner will start third. The pit stop competition winner is fourth. If a natural caution occurs between laps 15 and 25 of the last stage, uh, the standard race procedures will be in effect. If no natural caution occurs during that time, NASCAR will call an all-star competition caution, and the winner of stage four will be the one who earns that $1 million payout. Uh, so it, it, the idea is to build up some intensity uh, throughout the race. So the NASCAR Open opens uh, immediately before the all-star race and also will consist of three stages, 20 laps, 20 laps, and 10 laps. Each segment uh, will advance to the NASCAR all-star race, as will the winner of the fan vote. So uh, it sounds like four drivers uh, that will advance. Uh, Fans can vote for their favorite driver who has not qualified for the NASCAR all-star race by visiting NASCAR.com for details on that. So maybe five of those drivers will advance. Uh, Drivers eligible for the all-star race consist of Cup Series drivers that have earned a point gain race victory in 21 or 22, previous All-Star winners who are competing full-time this season, and previous Cup Series champions who are competing full-time this season. So uh, that kind of gives you a little bit more of that rundown. Uh, Any thoughts, Jay? Yeah, it's it's the All-Star race. I mean, that's the whole thing is, I know people talk about this, of the changing it every year. Uh, again, not particularly a fan of it being at Texas Motor Speedway, but it is. So deal with it. Um, we'll have to deal with that down the road if they change it. Um, the format, I like the fact that they keep coming up with different ways to, as you said, pick up the intensity and, and make it just an absolute shootout. It's not a points race, so it is just an, this is an entertainment for the fans. And and we've seen things that range from highlighting the cars with the lights. You know, I thought that was a great thing. They did that one time, doing this one time. And as I said, uh, this year with the Ultimate Street Stock Series that I'm working with now, this, what they referred to as the King of the Hill format. We uh, we do it where the top X number of drivers do one lap head-to-head on the track, winner advances, so you can actually be the eighth quickest and move all the way to the pole. I can't believe I had never heard or seen that. It actually can play out to be very exciting. The other thing I like, and they mentioned it on Race Hub, 
the pit crew being involved. We don't have the pit crew competition like we used to um, back in the day. So I like the fact that they incorporated that, that the pit crew with it so that, again, it goes back to it as a whole team. You win as a team, and they're a part of it. So I really like it. Um, you know, whether it plays out well or not, we'll have to see if they keep it as a permanent thing. Don't know. But I like the fact that, again, they're doing whatever they can to put on the best entertainment show for the fans because that's what the all-star race is about. And and the good news is everybody is uh, racing under the same rules. Um, and they do have a – if you go to NASCAR.com, and I know um, – uh, Bob Pockris has a um, graphic up as well uh, of the entire process from practice through the open, through the all-star race of exactly, and qualifying. Uh, all of that is in a graphic uh, that makes it a little bit easier to understand what's going on. Um, and uh, like I say, everybody's uh, following the same format. They're all following the same rules of the format. And uh, this is all about having fun and enjoying uh, the intensity of the competition. And uh, there's a $1 million payoff, so you know uh, every driver wants to go after that $1 million. So uh, I think uh, the all-star format, and I think it's a good idea to change it up sometimes because I know in the previous all-star races, I've seen uh, a little bit of what I call shenanigans going on, which is kind of hanging out at the back waiting for the end of the race. So I'd rather that they do something like this that keeps everybody engaged. We're at the time of the night, though, that I need to make a special announcement for all of our first-time listeners. Uh, We're coming to the end of the show, and we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. However, Dan and I are going to continue to talk beyond that time, and that's part of our bonus overtime material that's available on our podcast. When we're done here tonight, what I'm and we'll record all of that. When we're done here tonight, I'll go out on Twitter to let everyone know that the podcast is now available. And at that point, you can go to our player at AmpRacing.com and fast forward to the two-hour mark hear the rest of that conversation. So again, we didn't want first-time listeners to be caught off guard uh, with us going off air mid-sentence and not know how they can hear the rest of that conversation uh, or to be just taken off guard. So uh, with that, Jay, uh, any other comments that you will have to make? Yeah. um, Like I said, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Some of it may become a permanent thing, some of it not. And, and I was thinking back, uh, I remember being on sometime last year with Dave Moody on his show, uh, Sirius XM Speedway. I think he calls it Wild Butt Idea Day or Free, Free Speech Friday, one of the two where it came up, of some different <laughs> things to do with the all-star race. And I know uh, one of them I, I brought to him, you know, you know the movie Cannonball Run, right, Sharon? Uh-huh. cross-country racing yeah so i said take your drivers that are qualified drop them off in daytona they got to get the rental car go days it's <laughs> under rental car and get to charlotte first one there gets the pole you know on so on um somebody else had the idea of incorporating a dirt race with it right there at charlotte have them run on the dirt set that up as far as uh 
Now, that thought was when it was still at Charlotte Motor Speedway, but um, so there's a lot of different things they can play with, and I like the fact, again, that they're thinking outside the box and doing different things to bring some excitement for the fans, for the drivers, you know, the intensity, um, and, it, you know, with this this format, the way they've developed it, you mentioned it, seeing some of the shenanigans, as you call it. Yeah, there was some of that. We've seen that change, you know, the uh, the earning points in different stages to set up the final one makes you go to the front. And I can't help but thinking, and I know you'll remember this, when they said you had to make a pit stop prior to crossing the start-finish line. Uh, Frankie Stotter didn't break the rules, but they made a mm-hmm. rule because of him. When he pitted, on, yep. he didn't pit coming to the white flag, Coming to the checkered, his car, uh, Burton, came down pit road, pitted, and then rolled across the start-finish line on pit road. I mean, that was just awesome. I, I realize they changed the rules for a reason because of that, but at the time, that was ingenious. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, that was with Jeff Burton. You're right. Uh, and, again, that rule was put in place uh, for uh, from that action. So, uh, I think they do need to change the rules every now and then. Uh, it does make it to where fans want to tune in to see what's going to happen. Is this going to be better than last year? Uh, is this something that we want to keep going forward? Uh, because it's a, it's a big hit. Uh, I like the thinking out of the box uh, idea as well because uh, uh, that creates a lot of uh, conversation about what's coming up. Uh, people have things that they like and things that they don't like, and uh, it gives, it opens the window for NASCAR to think out of the box and come up with some new ideas. I like I like the fan input though too uh, with Dan Moody's radio show, so that's that's pretty cool. And I've seen some ideas on Twitter as well, so uh, you never know. Uh, it's it's always fun. Well, I got to say, Anything Quentin else? just messaged me and chimed. Yeah, Quentin just messaged me. He chimed in. He said, "Make Dave Despain the MC." So that'd be interesting. <laughs> Possibly. Okay, what's up next? Let's see. What else do we have here? Um, no, that was one I definitely wanted to do. They announced uh, the format today. Um, we talked about this one. The the, the Television deal. Let's see what he got here under all that. Oh, you got it as two separate. Okay. Uh, Bob Pockris announced on Twitter the television deal is broken down so that 90% of the TV money goes to the cup, 9% to Xfinity, and 1% to the trucks. It used to be 93.75 to cup um, prior to 2015. Um, which is why the cup purses were so much greater. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised at those uh, stats on how that's broken down. Um, I get why the cup series gets uh, a greater percentage, but I really thought that the – I think there could be some real advantage to giving more to the Xfinity and the uh, truck series as well, 1% for the truck series, uh, I guess it comes down to viewership is the reason why those stats are the way that they are. So I guess if we want those stats to go up, 
we have to make sure a lot of more people are watching those races uh, and filling uh, the seats in the stands uh, for those races. So, uh, again, I think there's a reason why it is the way it is. Uh, but I, think, I thought it was a little shocker to see uh, the numbers at what they were. I, I thought that there would be more for the, for the Xfinity and the Truck Series than what there is. Well, and you're right. I'm sure they got their uh, crack mathematicians and analytics uh, working on it. I don't know if Owen's a part of that, but um, I would think, too, you could disperse it maybe a little bit better. Uh, You mentioned, first off, I understand that the Cup Series is the premier level. So like you said, you know, you understand the majority of it going there. And also they want to see full fields of competitive cars, okay? They've taken a step with the next-gen car as far as that. So there's a couple of things that play, in, play into that of how they're making that happen. But when we look at the Xfinity or the Truck Series, we see a lot more unsponsored uh, teams and, and uh, that are running at the back are unsponsored. So maybe dispersing a little bit more, dividing that up just a little bit more, as you said, putting more than 1% into the truck series, we'd see more of that. And then, like you said, the the viewership and attendance as far as those series um, obviously would reflect that. So there are some things we can do as fans, but I think there are some things that NASCAR could do, like I said, just tweak it a little bit um, to put a little bit more in their pot. Yeah, yeah, I think that there could be some major benefits for the Xfinity Series and the and the Truck Series if they could get a little bit more of that money. Uh, but um, wow, that's a, that that explains why the first prize is so much bigger for the Cup Series than it is for the other two series. The problem with making those adjustments at this stage of the game, though, is that those Cup Series drivers are used to those big purse monies. Uh, so if they take, if they ta- they would have to take less money at NASCAR's premier top level series uh, in order to make more money available to the Xfinity series and the Truck series. Whether the drivers would be open to that is a big question in making that move. So just a word of caution there. Um, but I do think if they can get. Uh, more viewership and more uh, fans in the seats, uh, maybe those numbers could go up enough that they could uh, make a little more concessions there. Yeah, it's one of those, just that we just talked about with the all-star race or anything, the schedule, you know, open it up to where are we looking at it the best way and what kind of adjustments can be made. I'm not saying change it wholesale, um, but just mm-hmm. tweak it a little bit, you know. Uh, we've seen that when, uh, in the one that pops to my mind when they said, okay, cup drivers can only run 10 races. Well, they tweaked it. Now they found their happy spot with five, or at least from NASCAR standpoint. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, they did it three years in a row where they adjusted it a little bit. They tried something. They said, okay, we need to go this way. So, yeah, maybe try that up it a little bit. Um, and see if that boosts the boosts the overall effect on the on the series for the truck series and Xfinity. And when you hit that spot where you feel like you've got them rolling, then then you'll leave it at that point. So um, you're right. The numbers were a little bit shocking. I wouldn't have realized it, w- it was that big or even that much bigger back uh, 
prior to what would just was a 2015 where it was 93% that went to. So mm-hmm. we've seen that. I mean, it obviously they tweaked it then. Maybe it is time to, with what we've seen in the trucks and Xfinity, you and I talk about this, some of the best battles in on-track racing come from those two series. So maybe it is time to reevaluate again and tweak just a little bit. Absolutely. I would totally agree with that. Um, uh, and I like, it sounds like you, right, that does look like they have made a couple of tweaks here uh, from 2015, uh, but that was, what, seven years ago. So it's certainly time to maybe look at that and maybe make a couple more tweaks. Maybe there were other tweaks in between. I don't know. Um, just we're, I'm just basing it on the information that we have uh, on this tweet from Bob Hockfuss. So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, you know, maybe they can think out of the box on this one, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess along with that, is uh, the attendance. Uh, Adam Stern said that, uh, I guess it's two different tweets here, uh, Fox earned a 2.61 rating and uh, 4.682 million viewers for Sunday's Geico 500 in Calabasas. That's down 1% from last year in viewership which is at uh, 2.81 and 4.7 million viewers. Meanwhile, the Xfinity race on Saturday got a 2.061 million viewers. That's the most for any event in the series since Daytona of 2017. So that's kind of interesting. The Xfinity series had a bump, while the uh, Cup series had uh, a little bit of a, a drop. Uh, along with that, Adam Stern uh, reported that Talladega saw a crowd of around 60,000 people in the grandstands for the Geico 500, along with thousand more, thousands more in sold-out campgrounds for sources. So uh, that seems like a jump uh, for attendance at Talladega. It doesn't say how much of a jump, but I know... Uh, uh, Mike has a fan at the track article that we posted today, and he felt like it was the most people he's seen at the track in quite a long time uh, before the pandemic. So um, uh, I do. It did seem like there was an awful lot of people in the stands at Talladega this weekend, and that's not counting the people that were enjoying it from the campgrounds as well. Yeah, we got two different things we're dealing with there. The TV numbers are always uh, due to that contract that we just mentioned and getting viewerships and a new TV package uh, deal done. Um, you know, that's one aspect of it to it. I don't know how to go about that by any means. I, I think the at-track attendance, we're going to see, we've seen that with uh, both the Bristol race. Granted, it was a night race at, uh, at Bristol um, and on dirt, which has been in its second year. But we saw big jumps as far as that. Part of that, again, as the, the COVID uh, situation and the pandemic, um, I don't say we've cleared it or come out of it, but it is improving. So to see those numbers climbing back up, hopefully that is being happening at, consistently at all tracks, all venues, um, both local and at the national level. The, the TV numbers, uh, like I said, I don't know about the uh, 
the Xfinity versus Cup. Uh, I'm not sure. Like I said, I, I can't even begin to fathom trying to understand people or uh, what their thought <laughs> process is when it comes to stuff like that. I enjoy all of it. So, like I said, to me, I don't. I'm not sure what would draw that. Um, but a one percent change—that's not a huge, to me anyway. I'm sure to somebody, it's very important. What they call the bean counters, uh, it's very important. But a one percent change isn't a, a huge in my in my opinion. You know, now if we're dropping five, ten percent, then we got an issue because then it's not being uh, fulfilling what we want as far as entertainment and drawing the crowd. And I would say that one percent would certainly be made up by people being at the track versus at home watching on TV. Uh, Talladega did do a great promotion of the race, I think, with uh, the competition. with uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt uh, being in that number three car at RCR and bringing, uh, what's his name, Larry McReynolds in as the crew chief uh, for Earnhardt. And they delivered with that second-place finish, I thought. Uh, It would have been great if he had a a first-place finish, but he made some great moves in order to get to that second-place finish. Uh, And the fans loved it. So I would guess that a lot of those fans will be back for the next Talladega race. Um, And I love that NASCAR uh, is doing these promotions. Uh, That's what they need to do to continue to get more fans at the track. And I know I've heard Mike uh, comment about NASCAR advertising itself uh, during the commercials, during races, but, I, I think it's good that they're doing that. That's what's getting people excited about coming to some of these upcoming races and knowing how they can get tickets uh, for some of these upcoming races. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, you know, Mike and I go back and forth on this. I understand it is, again, taking away from the on-track racing, but that it's required. I mean, that, that's what – uh, I don't know how else to say it. You know, it's a, I don't even want to call it's it a necessary evil because, yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is. You know, there's a lot of times, too, you hear people say, oh, I'd have gone to that if I'd have known about it. I didn't see any advertisement. So, and going to, and I'll just use myself, take myself, throw an example out there. If you're going to advertise, say, during the wrestling show, well, if you're not a wrestling fan, you're not going to see it. If you're a race fan, you're going to see it because it's talking about their next race. So, you know, from that aspect, it makes sense. Now, you want to target a new audience. So, yeah, there's something to be said for advertising in other locations or something. But, I mean, to get, especially for at-track information out to the fans you know are invested, what better place than during the race, you know, or while while you have their attention anyway? Absolutely. I, I, I really think uh, that's fantastic. I noticed uh, Talladega, uh, they're promoting the race at uh, Kansas Speedway. And I thought, this is really good because people who are watching this race are thinking, oh, that's how I can get tickets for Kansas. Or if they didn't go to Talladega and they're watching it on TV, they're thinking, Oh, man, that looked like a lot of fun at Talladega. Let me see if I can get tickets for Kansas. I I think it's brilliant, and uh, I see no problem with it at all. Uh, And like I say, I really think being 1% down on the TV ratings 
may have something to do with the fact that so many fans, so many more fans were actually in the back uh instead of being at home, uh, watching it on the TV. You you would think they go hand in hand, yes. So, uh, you know, that, that change there hopefully does equate to the at track versus the on TV, like you mentioned. Okay, what's up next, Jay? All right, I had it here. Oh, why does that keep shutting down on me? There it is. Um, the the playoff bubble. We talked about this earlier in the show. Uh, the 2022 NASCAR <coughs> playoffs, is it time for drivers on the bubble to stress? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, there's an article here by... Uh, Bob Pockris, he says, Chris Buescher admits that he just looked at where he sat in the point standings last week, but he figures that worrying about points isn't all that productive early in the season. Uh, but at this point of the season, it's important to know where you are because that one position can make a big difference uh, when it comes down to that cut line. Some of these points battles are pretty darn close. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You start with Daytona, all right? That's a that's an event in and of itself. Yes, it counts for points, but that, those are events of themselves. Then you get into the beginning of the season, feeling your car out, feeling your team, a lot of changes from the off season uh, every year, no matter what the situation is. So about four or five races in, we're a little over that now, but that's where you got to start being aware of it. I'm not saying stress yet. But you've got to be aware of it. If you are not winning races and not locked in, yes, you've got to be aware of it and what your position is. Now, we talked about the points bubble right now uh, being Tyler Reddick on the outside. He has been running up front. feel like that win is right there. He's going to knock it down. I wouldn't be as concerned with him. But there's a couple further back. If you're already outside the top 20, you're obviously looking at the win because you know that points gap is getting bigger and bigger. You know, Brad Keselowski, he knows he's not pointing his way in at this point. He's got to be focused on a win. So for him, it's win or not. Some of them might still be a little bit more points racing than than all-out win. Like I said, aware of it, concerned about it, or keeping an eye on it, but not necessarily stressing about it. Um, and that, like I said, about race five, between five and ten. Well, I'll tell you where else it can make a big difference. I remember Carl Edwards uh, coming in second quite a few times in one year uh, in particular. I think he tied with um, uh, Tony Stewart. Uh, but Tony Stewart got the uh, got the championship based on the wins uh, that he was able to get. And he had no wins during the regular season, but he, he railed off five wins in 10 races during the playoffs. Uh, and that was a huge difference. So uh, those points mean a lot, uh, no matter where you are on that playoff uh, 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 point standings. Uh, they talk about the current playoff bubble is bigger at this point than it has been in the past from 14th to 17th in the standings. Just 11 points separate those on the edge. Kevin Harvick plus 10. Dylan plus three and Christopher Bell plus one, along with uh, Tyler Ruddy, who's at negative one. Uh, so that's how tight it is right at the bubble. 
what's more, seven drivers are within one race. Hide with 60, it. 60 points of the bubble. Uh, Reddick again back one, Jones back 12, Bush negative 25, Daniel Suarez also negative 25, Bush are at negative 47, Bubba Wallace negative 50, and Justin Haley negative 60. Um, so Debbie Hamlin, owner of Bush and Wallace cars, uh, isn't telling his drivers that they have to win to make the playoffs for nine on those points because one car position at the end of the race can be a huge difference uh, when you when you see drivers uh, within just a few points of one another. So every point uh, makes a huge, huge difference. And it's not just at the cut line, like I said. It's also up at the top, uh, especially as you go into the playoffs. And uh, you could lose it by just that one point. Even if you're tied, you could lose it based on your uh, actual results. Well, and, and I know a lot of drivers say that if you run well, the points will take care of itself. But there are times, and we've seen that. You mentioned a couple. Uh, Jimmy Johnson going for the win versus um, riding where he was at and taking the points way in. But that also, it's a balance because, again, risk versus reward. The playoff points, most certainly, because that's how you get into the championship. Uh, you mentioned that tie between Carl Edwards and Tony Stewart, a huge one that we've talked about for, what, that's been 10-plus years now, hasn't it? Um, So, yeah, they are very valuable, and you always want to be aware of them. And I think that especially with the stage wins, we've seen that change, and that, again, was the intent, to bump up the intensity during mid-race, you know, middle part of the race, as well as then, benefit was the fan interest because they are racing door to door, not as you said, riding around the track. So yeah, there there's, it's a risk versus reward. You got to be aware of it at all times. Um, you know, the concern and stress about it, I, I say at this point in the season, but the other factor I think about it though, is the point situation as we get multiple more new winners that adds stress, um, because that means there's less and less spots. So depending on how many repeat winners or whatever we have, um, that changes where their focus is at. Uh, the multiple winners, then you got to focus on how many bonus points are they building up you're not going to have. Exactly. And I think it depends on where you are in the point standings as well. Uh, the article brings up Reddick and Dylan uh, feeling confident because between them they have three second place finishes. Uh, in 10 races this year, Dylan, who SummerSlam last year dropped him out of the playoff picture, has more top fives this season three than he did in all of 2021 when he had just one. Uh, that he hasn't focused on a win, but not stressing too much about points. So depending on where you are, some people are more focused on getting that win so that they can get the playoff points uh, versus uh, uh you know, that one or two positions better. Uh, we're in a better position overall as far as speed than we're taking to the track during the, that time frame last year. We were consistent, but we didn't have the speed that we've had this year. So I feel pretty good. We've got to capitalize on stage points to make the big surge and focus on qualifying a little bit more to try to be consistent. So he's talking about qualifying in those stage points 
uh, is where their focus is, where other drivers are saying uh, they're looking at other things. So it's it's interesting to kind of see how everybody's uh, got a different approach. You're right. Where you're at with your season most certainly does affect where where your focus is going to be or what you feel your need is. Uh, like I mentioned, and I couldn't remember who the other one was there, Austin Dillon, because um, yeah, uh, Andy Petrie talked about it in the race up. Both of them, knowing that they've been right there for a victory a couple times this year, yeah, uh, they're not going to be as concerned as far as maybe pointing their way in at this point. That could change. Uh, I, th- I mentioned it, one point difference between Tyler Reddick and, uh, and Dylan. Well, Reddick yeah. was that close to getting the victory at Bristol. At Talladega, he finished at the back because he broke in stage one just in, in two weeks uh, of how much that changed. You know, he really thought he was going to get a win, lock himself in. Now he's got a, a parts failure or something breaks and he has a bad finish. Now he's on the bubble looking at, okay, what do I need to get in? So that can change from week to week. That is so true. Uh, That's why these next, we're 10 races in. uh, There's 16 more races in the regular season. Uh, Only three more races get us to the halfway point of the regular season. So uh, uh, a lot of drivers, uh, that's when they're going to be evaluating is when they get to that halfway point. And we've said it, a lot of these drivers that have struggled during these first 10 races, uh, by the time we get to race 14, uh, they will have learned a lot. And I think we'll be seeing different results from them in the second half of the season. And that comes from the value, not only the learning curve that they're going through in the first half of the season, but that also comes from evaluating where they are in the playoff points and, and, and the point standings. So uh, it is important to know exactly where you are. I've never understood uh, drivers saying that they don't look at the points or they're not worried about the points. Uh, I think at some point you have to make that analysis in order to move forward. Well, and I think maybe and we'll just finish it, wrap up with this because uh, it is uh, it's such a topic. You know, the drivers, I mean, their job is to drive. I think that's where it comes down to the team maybe, you know, the crew chief and, and the team owner may be a little more aware of it because they're at the end. And we've seen this in different races uh, when it comes to advancing. And I think back to that same race that Jimmy Johnson had the situation. It was Kyle Larson's crew. They were the ones on the radio saying, hey, you need to get by this car. You need to pick up three positions, <laughs> um, you know, in, in these final laps. So, yeah, the drivers maybe not as much, uh, you know, and I'm not – they're a part of the team, but they're focused on the driving part. Yeah, then the crew says, hey, you know, don't push too hard. We got five points or five positions we, we can play with, so don't overdrive the car and coach the driver on doing his job to relate to the point. So, yeah, I'd probably put that more on the team. Like I said, the crew chief. Um, now, you know, you, you mentioned it. We always say the driver – Ask a crew chief or, or uh, the team owner if they're aware of the points, their answer might be a little different. You know, especially we, we talk yeah. about it, you know, you in the playoffs, you somebody. If you're not, you're the, if we have time, we'll talk about it. I know Race Hub does that in non-playoff news uh, during the playoffs. They have non-playoff news. They highlight somebody, you know, that's not in the playoffs. Because, yeah, you're not going to get the coverage. 
Yes, exactly. You bring up a really good point. A lot of times it maybe not so much the driver. As long as they know their spotter and their crew chief knows what's going on, they know they're going to be coached uh, in a race where they need to be. So that, that is a good point. And, uh, again, I'm really, really looking forward uh, to uh, seeing how this continues to play out. We've got a lot of racing left. Uh, three more races to that halfway more part, as I mentioned, and then uh, 13 more races after that to get to the final race of the regular season. And that's where we found uh, the regular season champion, by the way, uh, before the playoffs begin in the last 10 races of the season. So uh, I've enjoyed the racing so far this year, Jay, uh, a whole lot. Oh, it, it has been absolutely great. We talked about the, the next-gen car and the parity we've seen, uh, even though in the Xfinity and trucks, uh, we haven't seen last year. We saw John Hunter Nemechek kind of be dominant um, early in the season anyway. We haven't seen that in any of the series. We've had a good mixture. And I tell you what, I, mm-hmm. I, I meant to say it during the uh, earlier portion when it comes to the dash for cash. Uh, if I were a driver... I know the win is there, but I'd look at look to be finishing third. Every every dash for cash winner so far has <laughs> finished third. Yes, it's it's pretty amazing. We've seen a lot of drivers who have have won from that third place finish too, uh, coming to the checkered flag. They're in third place, and then something happens to the top two, and they sail on to the win. So that third place position is kind of a good spot to be. <laughs> That's that's where you want to be if you're going to back your way into a win, I guess. I guess so. Okay, uh, let's do our round table or across the table. Where are you going to be this weekend? Uh, as I said uh, earlier on Monday, I'm going to actually be at home, but still going to the track. Oh, uh, that's I get to right. Stay at home for two days or well, two days this weekend and two weeks. Uh, this weekend, Columbus Speedway, the baddest bullring in the South. Going to do some go-kart racing, a new venture for me as far as calling uh, go-kart racing. i uh, got a lot of friends, a lot of youth, uh, especially from the church that are involved in that, so looking forward to that. And then next weekend as well, I'll be right here at the Bullring as the XR1 Southern All-Stars Super Late Model Series, and uh, Dwayne Keith coming to town with them. He's one I'm trying to work out how to get him on the show because uh, he's not available on Thursday nights. Uh, he's one I asked about maybe doing a mm. pre-record for. Um, but yeah, he'll be in town. I take that back. That's not until June. That's a regular show. Oh, okay. Man, I got it. I got it. I got excited. I will still be at the bullring, but yeah, I got to wait another month before the uh, super late models get here. Okay. Um, yeah, if we can do pre-recordings, I've been thinking about doing that with Roger Carruth because uh, he's got, uh, you know, NASCAR racing that he's doing on Thursday nights, and uh, we've had a hard time kind of finding a spot for him uh, to be on the show, so we might have to do a pre-recording. And I was looking back at that. We've done that with him before because of the iRacing. So... Uh, Hopefully, we'll be able to do that sometime in May. Uh, If you didn't hear our interview with Nick Sanchez earlier tonight, I encourage you to go back and listen during the second half hour of the show. 
Uh, he won at Talladega Super Speedway last year, last week uh, in the Arkham Menard Series. It was his second win after winning at Kansas in the season finale uh, last year. And uh, we're headed to Kansas next week uh, for the Arkham Menard Series. Or coming up in May, I guess, not next week, but coming up in May, they'll be going to Kansas uh, Speedway. So uh, we got to talk to him about uh, his thoughts after, you know, coming to the checkered flag at Talladega and winning there. Uh, but we also got to talk to him about uh, the upcoming race coming up at Kansas. So, and I know, Jay, you asked him some really great questions as well uh, about uh, racing in the Arkham Menard Series. So uh, we're looking forward, definitely look forward to hearing that interview. Also, uh, coming up on Monday, we have Christian Rose uh, from Cook Racing Technologies coming back on the show. Uh, we're going to be able to talk to him uh, after racing at Dover Motor Speedway in the Arthur East uh, and get his thoughts about that race on Monday night starting at 9 o'clock. So uh, looking forward to that as well. Uh, so... Uh, Again, I always like to do a shout-out to our listeners for tuning in, whether it's on the live broadcast or the podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to hear what we have to say. We have a lot of fun doing the show for everybody on Mondays and Thursday nights, and uh, we hope you enjoy it as much as uh, hearing it, as much as we enjoy doing it. Uh, also, uh, to Jay Huseman. Uh, you're our fan for racing crew here tonight uh, for both the preview part of the show as well as our Hot Topic sound off here tonight. So thank you, Jay. Uh, we appreciate all that you do. And I look forward to doing it with you again next Thursday night uh, for our preview show on uh, next Thursday night as well as for our Hot Topics on Monday night. So uh, with that, I think we're ready to say good night. Yeah, no, I just got to say you're right. I absolutely do enjoy doing it. I love it. And I appreciate the opportunity you give us, uh, you know, me, Mike, Andy, uh, Owen, Tommy, James, and Sal, that platform, you know, we couldn't do it without you. So I want to thank you. And uh, we'll be back again next week, Monday for hot topics and then Thursday for the entire program. Okay. Thank you, Jay. And good night, everybody. We'll see you on the other side of Dover.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.